Hello and welcome to another episode of History of Westeros Podcast, a podcast dedicated to George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire book series, as well as HBO's Game of Thrones. Today's episode is a Winds of Winter live Q&A, and though some questions might relate to the television show and to the other books, we're going to try to focus mostly on the Winds of Winter today. It's hard not to get a little uh, off on tangents occasionally with Song of Ice and Fire. That's just how it works. Everything seems to connect to something else, and we'll just roll with the whatever comes. This is our second live Q&A episode. Really excited to do this. It's a lot of fun to do Q&A episodes. We get to interact with all you guys, and you get to hit us with a lot of fun questions, the burning questions that you've been wanting to know. And as, as T-Wow approaches somewhere in the future, we are all anticipating the possibilities, and all we can do is chat about it until it comes, so let's do that. I It strikes us that the this is the kind of episode that it's it's mostly for history of Westeros veterans. In other words, that this isn't probably your first history of Westeros episode. Nothing wrong with that if it is. But we're not going to have a lot of preamble. We're not going to talk about who we are. We're not going to talk about a lot of this other stuff. We're mostly just going to get right to it. We're going to be answering questions related to the Winds of Winter, as Ashea said, our expectations for it. And the only thing I'm going to add on to this preamble is a few instructions on how this whole yeah. thing works. Um, to ask questions, you need to click on the Q&A button, which is at the top of the Google Plus event. Or if you're on YouTube, there's a little link in the description to Google Plus Hangout. And there's a Q&A section where people can upvote your comments, we can select it, and then when we're watching the video, we can click on little circles in the video and it <laughs> takes us right to your question. It's yeah, really it's really neat. nice. Yeah, so, and of course the upvoting feature is really nice if you guys are posting questions on the event wall or sending them to us on Twitter or email. Some of those we are going to answer, but we greatly prefer that you ask them through the app because of what we just said. It, it fits into the system much nicer, and people get a chance to upvote them. You can't, no one can upvote your question if it's on our event wall. <laughs> you can't even reply to it. We that's can't right. even reply on the event wall, which is weird. So anyway, no problem if that's what you did, but now you know. Mm -hmm. So um, we're going to be doing more of these, so next time around we'll uh, try to have it a little tighter. And of course, I want to thank our Patreon supporters for making this episode possible, especially uh, Joshua the Raw, Joshua Hayes Cutter, also known as our first sword of, of History of Westeros. And like I said, without the Patreon support, this episode wouldn't be possible, so thanks to you all, and let's get started. Um, yeah. We'll start with the first question here from Aiden Bennett. Who is Old Nan? In fact... Interestingly, looking at the questions queue, there's a couple other questions about Old Nan, so we'll, we'll get started with Old Nan. Oldest, we'll, we'll go oldest to youngest on these questions. <laughs> so, it, it, what's the deal with Old Nan? Well, she was called Old Nan even when Ned was young. She's been Old Nan for so long. She's probably older than Walder Frey. She might be older than Maester Aemon was when he died. And as far as who she was, I don't think her origin is anything special. She came to Winterfell as a wet nurse for a Brandon. She doesn't remember which Brandon it was, though we looked it up and figured out it's almost certainly the Brandon that was brother to Edwile. Edwile is Eddard's grandfather. And Edwile, this, this Brandon died young. So that's part of why Old Nan's memories of, of him are pretty indistinct because he died when he was two or three years old. And as we know, there's a lot of Starks named Brandon. <laughs> so <laughs> that, uh, that could be confusing, especially for an old senile woman who uh, has lots of cool stories. But 
Let's see. So more about Old Nan with the next question from Euron Cow's Eye, one of my favorite <laughs> names. <laughs> is has Old a, Nan has a good dead? avatar as well. What is that old avatar? It's a cow. Oh, right on. A with cow with a Greyjoy Kraken. Right yeah. on. Okay. That's cool. That is a that is a crow's eye. Well, that's a Kraken eye, I suppose, but <laughs> it works. Anyway, uh, to answer the question, is Old Nan dead? I Well, we don't know for sure. She was supposedly led along with other survivors from Winterfell to the Dreadfort. So you almost might be better if she were dead. You don't... I don't think being in the Dreadfort is a good place for anyone to be, especially an old woman. Um, probably worse if you're a young woman, actually, but bad place to be no matter who you are. But I hope she's alive. I think there's a decent chance she will survive. She's a, she is a survivor, after all. Mm -hmm. and she's lived this long, so... Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and vote. She's alive. Hmm. I, I, I don't have any say in it, but I'm gonna vote that she's alive. Uh, <laughs> sure hope so. All right. all right. Let's go to a question from Darren Tucker, Knight of the... Uh, Darren the Red, Knight of the Forums. Do you think we will get another T-Wow chapter before the start of Season 6? Possibly GRM wanting to reveal something to us that will be spoiled in the show, like the Mercy Killing last season. Definitely yes. Gets, I think it's pretty likely that he will. Yeah, I think because of the announcement that he wasn't going to finish before the season, I think that he might give us another chapter. I don't know if it'll be before the season, but that would be... A very uh, sensible timing, uh, so to speak. That's what he did last year. He released a chapter right before last season, yeah. and and the season before, right? If that's mm -hmm. is, that, is that true? Um, anyway, yeah. I do think there's a good chance he he's released about eight chapters. I think it is. Yeah, it was um, Elaine, and then before that was Mercy. So I don't see why not. I mean, eight chapters is probably only ten percent of the book, and <laughs> it's the intro chapters. You know, it's not the meat of the story. The question is, which chapter would possibly have something that could be spoiled. That's a good question, too. I think, like, we're not going to go any farther in anyone's arc. Like, I don't think we'll see Arianne 3 or Tyrion 3 or Barristan yeah. And I don't 3. think we'll see anything to do with Jon or Melisandre. No, that's anything. too much I mean, of a spoiler. I mean, I don't get Melisandre, but yeah. Yeah, but I agree with you there. Uh, but we might see Aaron Dampere's first chapter, something yeah. that George talked about reading back in, like, 2012 or 13. Mm -hmm. So but if he thought Theon it was okay... <laughs> that's true, and there's another Theon chapter. That might be a little too spoilery, though, because it seems like the yeah, Battle of Ice might be good. about to start, and that's I don't know true. if he wants to show us that. It could even be after the Battle of Ice, Theon's point of view. Maybe the Battle of Ice may happen, and then yeah. we see Theon afterwards. Yeah. That would definitely be too spoilery. So, I, you, I, so the I don't answer... think it's going to be an Ariane. I don't think it's going to be anything to do with a character that we don't have in the show. I agree, I agree. I think does. I think we could see potentially another a Sansa 2 is possible, or a Lane 2, <laughs> and Aaron, of course. And it's always possible. We, we could see like an Ariohota, perhaps. Perhaps, yeah. That might be too spoilery, too. But that's why I have to say perhaps. <laughs> we don't know what's in these chapters. We don't know how spoilery. I never thought are. about that. Are we? I guess we will see more Ario Hota. I didn't. I never really thought that we would for sure get more Hota point of views because we've moved to Ariane. Yeah. Well, they're they're so but far they're apart in from each other. Yeah. Yeah. He's she's sure all the way up in the Stormlands there now. And stopped. I know he's trying to call the POVs. Yeah. So Ari Hota might be. That's a question we have coming up later. When you, with her, you know. Actually, let's. That's a great oh, yeah. segue to to uh, Brendan Beefish's great question oh, here. Yes. Uh, it, it says at Hamburg in July 2015, GRM said that he finally figured out a way to kill a character who had been doomed from the start. Who is the Doom character and how will he slash she die? Well, naming all the possible ways someone could die, that's a bit <laughs> much. But we do have some thoughts on who might die, who is on the chopping block, so to speak. And 
You know, we, and during last TV season, we had our worry of the week. It's kind of a similar concept. And I think that there, based on what you said, that quote from George about how he needs to cull a lot of his POVs and how he needs to tighten it back up. A lot of people are in the same locations. Yeah. Well, Barristan. Barristan is a perfect choice. I think that... And after the TV season, it would show him that he'd be like, people care about how Barristan dies. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I think that it, Barristan is definitely on the chopping block. And I think to, to, to answer this question most effectively, you have to look at where the POVs are. And when there's two POVs in the same spot, that <laughs> one of them could be at risk. If George's aim is to cut things down and to have fewer POVs, the best thing to do is to get rid of the redundancy. So that means cutting down the POVs who are in the same place. That's why Barristan is a perfect option, because Barristan, Victorian, Tyrion are all together, and Daenerys is not super far away. Well, distance-wise, she's pretty far away. But she's only a dragon ride away, you know, as far as how quickly she could get there. Yeah, so, and of course, at some point, you've got to assume that Daenerys is going to be in the same area with whoever of those group are still alive. So... I think that Barristan is a, is a top choice. Brienne, I'm a little worried about. Out of Brienne and Jamie, I think Brienne is a little more likely to die. However, I was recently pointed to some a new detail that I didn't really catch in Jamie's famous fever dream right before he rescues Brienne. He is, the dream feature is, is he's told in his dream by, I believe it's Cersei, that his, this glowing sword that he's holding, that when it goes out, he will die. And there's t and his sword does go out at the end of his vision of his dream, but Brienne's is still lit, mm. and that means two. I take this two different ways. One, it could mean that Jamie. It's a simple thing that Jamie will die before Brienne because his life sword faded before hers. Mm -hmm. The other could mean that his life is tied to hers, that he his his survival, his well being are tied to Brienne's, and that they they will live or die or or thrive together and not apart and that is a couple of cool interpretations there and i i, I think i favor that's an interpretation that it's to do with uh brienne you know brand's still more of a warrior yeah she still has her sword power yeah that's a good way it's to interpret it too yeah i like that i like that there's a lot of ways to interpret it and it's a dream so you really cannot be too certain about anything you, you know it's just that's just the way the nature of these things as far as other characters who are in danger I don't think Arya is in danger yet, but I don't. I, I have a hard time seeing her surviving the series. Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't think she will die in the next book. I think it'll be the last. Yeah, book I guess dies. the quote he didn't say for sure it was a character that would die in Tewell. I don't remember how he said it exactly, but he just a character who has been doomed from the start. Mm -hmm. So it could be someone that dies in in a dream of spring. Or... Yeah, a character is doomed from the start. There's a lot of possibilities there. It depends on what the start means. Yeah, I the mean, start of their their start or the start, like from book one. Because if it's book yeah. one, then, then Arya. Then it's a lot more likely to be one of the original yeah. POVs or one of the original main characters who became a POV later. Uh, maybe it's Cersei. I, I don't know. There's Cersei. I do think is doomed. Like although I think Cersei will survive. Die. Yeah, I kind of feel that way too. But maybe he just had a general idea. It's a really hard question to interpret because he really could just mean the actual physical manner of their death, mm -hmm. and he's, you know, he's had it kind of figured out for a while. It's. But uh, let, let's see some other possibilities for who else could die. Uh, let's say. <clears throat> Even possibly someone like Stannis, it's possible. I mean, I, I don't see, I still don't see him dying the way. I, I think most people who who read the books and watched the show do not see his show death being 
terribly uh, similar to how he's going to go in the sh in the books. Although I think most people, even the biggest Stannis fans, don't think he'll survive the whole series. Some people do, but I think that those are only the most hardcore Stannis fans think that he's going to make it all the way through. But I think. It's. I agree with the, the Stannis fans who don't think he's going to die. Anything like the way he died in the show, I think it's going to be a lot different, a lot more, mm -hmm. a lot more tragic, a lot more meaningful. Yeah. So. So should we move on? I guess we should move on. There's yeah. probably some other characters that I could talk about how they might die, <laughs> but I, I mean Theon's another example. We'll on Theon's going to make it, but. Potentially. Yeah. Uh, let's move on. Thanks, Jeff, from Wars and Politics of Ice and Fire. Yes, uh, thanks very much. And Friend we're going to move fish. on to yeah. We're going to move on to. Uh, Another YouTuber podcaster, Teflon TV. Tony hey, Teflon. Tony. Yeah, thanks for the question. How do you... Uh, oops, I'm reading the wrong one. What up, my people? Will Littlefinger and Orvaris die in Winds of Winter? If so, how? Thank you and stay sexy. Well, yeah. we will absolutely try to stay sexy. That's, mm -hmm. um, of course, an important goal. <laughs> now, will Littlefinger and Orvaris die in Winds of Winter? I think Varys is the more... Well... Man, I think Varys is backing Fagon, and when I think the, the collapse of Fagon's arc and his, I'll call him Young Griff. Some people don't. Yeah. Fagon, Aegon the Sixth. I don't time. mean that to mean yeah. he's definitely fake. It's just yeah. an easy nickname. Young Griff. Young Griff. Well, I will say Young Griff, who is Varys is the main backer of him. I think with the collapse of his cause, which I think will happen in the Winds of Winter. I think he'll have a meteoric rise and meteoric fall, and I think that Varys may not survive the collapse of of Young Griff's uh, rise and fall. And I don't know that he would have much to do after. That's the whole thing he's been doing this whole time is working behind the scenes to bring this kid around. And if that kid dies, I don't know what Varys is going to do. I don't know what his point will be. Littlefinger is harder to figure because he doesn't necessarily have some one thing he's been working on this whole time. But I think he's in a much he's in a perilous spot being in the Vale because I do think the Vale is a is in danger. I think the Vale is going to be hit by the others when I do think they're going to get past the wall. Like I think a lot of people agree with that. I think the Vale is in danger in that regard. I think Littlefinger is one of these guys that. He's a perfect example of someone who is scheming and scheming and scheming and doing all these things, and he, he's a great parallel to the fact that all these schemes and all these plots don't mean anything once the others come down. And he, he, he maybe is uh, one of the perfect examples of how the plans of men are undone by things that are much greater than us all. Hmm. So... I think that maybe I can't see both of them dying. They're just two. They're kind of similar in there. They're the top two most yeah. cunning plotting guys. Yeah. Having them both die in the same book seems unlikely. If either of them is going to die, I'm going to say Varys, but I can't say that with a lot of confidence. I think mm -hmm. Varys is also a survivor, even more than even perhaps even more so than Littlefinger, and he's taking less risks to himself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Littlefinger's putting himself out there, so I can see it going either way. But I'm going to I'm going to go ahead. If I had to bet, bet on it, I'll say Varys. All right, let's move on to our current most top voted comment. All right, right now, Nina Friel, also from Wars of Politics of Ice and Fire. Thanks for the question. Who will be the face champion at Cersei's trial? This is certainly a, a burning question that a lot mm -hmm. of people want to know the answer to. Tell you who we don't think it's going to be is Sandor. Yeah, we do not think it's going to be Sandor. The reason being, uh, well, a couple reasons. First of all, from a literary standpoint, it's too soon. Sandor, if Sandor's going to defeat his brother... That's not going to happen in that trial. Yeah, it's not going to happen in that trial. Gregor hasn't... The mountain has to become fearsome. He has to show, he has to inspire fear. He has to get out there 
and kill some people and show how dangerous he is and show how, wow, what is this thing? And... If Sandra just beats him in the trial, that would be... Uh, just yeah. It's over. That's it. Cersei has to survive this trial. And I, it is possible for her to survive if Gregor is killed. It is possible that through trickery she escapes. or It, it definitely doesn't mean that it isn't, but the confluence of all of those factors... Um, means that also Sandor just isn't quite up to it just yet and he has to get all the way there and get picked as the champion which is a lot of and he can't even walk properly his leg is messed yeah. up I just don't see it and it's the timing doesn't seem to work out I don't I don't see him getting there soon enough him hearing about it in time the trial's really imminent yeah and also but to, if it does happen that way I will say there's one thing this this theory has in favor of itself the Valencar theory points to little brother and little brother being the one that is Cersei's downfall or her death. Well, Sandor isn't little, but he's littler than Gregor. So that that at least does yeah. have that going for it. But other than that, I don't think it works. Part of the main reason I feel like Cersei's going to survive is, one, is that is Valonqar one, but two, um, the quote that we had about us seeing the inside of Casterly Rock, and it's just who else it, would do that? Yeah, it's, it's very. I mean, it's some. It's possible for someone else. I can't remember exactly how he said it. There might have been something else he said that leaned towards Cersei. I don't think it was. He said it was Cersei, but uh, I mean, it could still be Jamie, and it could be Tyrion in a future book. But definitely, definitely. I tend to think it's Cersei, you know, escaping to the. I I kind of agree as well. It's a great place for her to hide too. We've, we've it's been built up. The Castle Rock is somewhat impregnable. Yeah. Never taken. So. And then it would be perfect for her final showdown to be there. Yeah, yeah, it would have to be Tyrion's job to root her out, maybe. <laughs> so, actually, to actually answer the question, we've only talked about who it isn't. So, I think there's a couple of options. I think it could be Lancel, although uh, he would certainly be toast. But, honestly, I think whoever goes up against Robert Strong is yeah. toast anyway. So, I don't know that that's really a strong argument uh, against it being Lancel. Lancel is yeah. devout. He's one of those guys that thinks the gods are on his side. Mm -hmm. And... I tend to think it's... Some member of the faith. I have two. Yeah, there's two, two, two options from the faith that I think fit nicely. Sir Bonifer Hasty, who is the the commander of the Holy Hundred, and they are you know known for their piety and being really clean and having nice white uniforms. <laughs> <laughs> so he's a he's the guy that used to have a thing for Princess Riella, Ares's mm -hmm. wife, and then Riella apparently had a thing for him, and then he gave up his. He he became devout once she married Ares. So he's a possibility. He's a devout guy. That's an option. But the other one I think is perhaps the most likely of the three is Sir Talad the Tall. He is the commander of the, of the Warrior Sons. So he is the at the head of the Faith's militant wing. It seems like he would be a very clear choice to take that burden on himself to say, hey, I'm the commander of the Faith's you know, warriors, so I should be the one to face this danger, etc., etc. I could definitely see that happening. Not a big character, but as far as his office and his role, it's a great fit. So those are our picks, I think, in that order. In reverse order, I think mm -hmm. Talad, followed by Hasty, followed by Lancel. All right, then. Um, moving on to this question here. Will this really be the second to last book? So much has yet to happen. The others haven't even started to invade. Danny is still in Essos, and many people are supposed to sit the Iron Throne before the end. And A Dream of Spring sounds more like Aftermath. I agree with you there that A Dream of Spring sounds a little bit like Aftermath, but also like it could be uh, people still in the heat of it and dreaming of spring. I, I do agree with that, and also it's important to remember that there used to, that book used to have a different title. It used to be called A Time for Wolves, mm -hmm. and I think that was a bit too spoilery of a title. And, and it makes it sound more... Uh, 
Makes it sound like the Return of the Starks. It doesn't sound like Aftermath. No, yeah. that's true. <laughs> but that gives you an idea of what he was thinking about what's going to happen. And But to agree with you in general, yes, I don't think this is necessarily going to be the second to last book. It's... George's... The story has con consistently grown more than George has expected it to. And if one, <laughs> one thing is, George is a great writer, no doubt. I don't think I need to sell that point to anyone here. But he's not good at deadlines. He's not good at estimating how long he's going to take to do things. We can, I think we can all agree on that as mm -hmm. well. That's not a slight. It's just true. It's something that creative people... It's a thing that happens with creative people sometimes. They're, they're slow. They, they don't understand their own process. They don't realize how creative they are and how much more they can they can grow and how yeah. Some people are the exact opposite. They work really well on a deadline and terribly when they have no impetus on them to work, too. That's true. That's yeah. very true. And I wonder how that I wonder how the TV show has affected George's writing process. It's, it's impossible to really know for sure. I don't even know that he knows for sure because I'm sure a lot of it's subconscious. I would still take him if he were to tell us. I would still believe him, but <laughs> I would still wonder what else was going on in the background. So I do think there's another. There's a great chance there will be another book. Plus, now that he knows for absolute certainty that he's not going to, the series is absolutely not finishing before the the show. In any case, yeah. no matter what, there's yeah. just no reason for him to, to even try to finish yeah. it sooner. So why not just make it a little bigger if he wants to? Yeah. It's his magnum opus. Why not make it bigger? He loves to expand the world. We've seen that. Some people don't like it that he added on so much Ironborn and Dornish action. Uh, we yeah. we are not in that group. No. We love all that stuff. So if he wants to keep expanding it, we're, we're all for that. <laughs> and, I, and I agree with you. There's a lot of big things that have yet to happen that have hardly even gotten started yet. I mean, yeah, the others have yet to really get it going. We haven't seen more. Uh, we see more others in the mm -hmm. prologue of the first book. Then we've seen combined the rest of the series. That's how little we've seen the others. There's five or six of them in that first chapter, and we see like three or four more ever. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like we haven't seen anything in that regard. Like we, the, the, we've seen nothing in terms of the others. We've, it's, we've seen the little tip of the of the iceberg. Hey, <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> That's funny. Hope that answered your question, Christian. Let's move on. All right, here's one from Chris Wilkins. How do you? think John and Daenerys will meet or will they ever meet mm, I think do they think meet. they'll meet yeah, yeah I do think they, they'll meet we it remains to be seen how changed John will be when he's brought back yeah so, so of course we're assuming that he will be brought back that's yeah. pretty strong I don't think we have any doubt there personally yeah we don't I don't we, I don't think I, we think it'll be at the wall yeah I think it will be south of the wall D Danny certainly has that vision of burning an army of ice at the trident. I think the location is significant there. Yeah, I can see this. It's really hard to coming say. Coming together, a bunch of different troops are meeting to do the, you know, War for the Dawn, and they meet because they're heads of some of their factions. Answering maybe. how they will meet, I really... Mm -hmm. That's a tough one. I, I don't think it'll be at the wall. I agree with you there. But it could be as the... the battle lines move south, as winter moves south, assuming that's yeah. what happens... Humanity will be forced to retreat with them. But and some John, people will just be closer together in general. They'll true. be pushed together. The one thing that could throw this this all for a loop is the idea that, that's been thrown around that I strongly agree with. One of the reasons that John is now semi-undead is that it will allow him to go farther north. He's mm. not going to be affected by the cold. Humans cannot go north, especially when the others are really have things going. If things get much colder, if winter mm. becomes supernaturally cold, 
only a magical being can handle that. Humans Send can handle that. Send cold hands up there. Yeah, so cold hands with John and John and cold hands heading up there together. <laughs> I, I don't see human beings being able to penetrate the, the deep, dark cold like that, but an undead Jon Snow? Eh, yeah. But if, and if he does that, then... Then it, maybe he won't meet Daenerys. Like, yeah, maybe. Danny's so. not going up the there. I don't think. Whether he needs to go up there, uh, also remains to be seen. Yeah, it may, it may not be that. That may, if they're that, just coming south, yeah. then he meets them. You know, you know, south. Of the so I would guess they will meet, but I could I could see a scenario that they don't. I could see that him going so far north to deal with the others, and then it gets him. You know, he has to sacrifice himself, or he's unable to return. Yeah. Whatever magic is keeping him alive I fades. See it I can see him going that far north after everyone has kind of gotten together to after do some get battles. More desperate, and they're perhaps. more desperate, and then he gets sent off. And yep. It's sad because people have gotten to know him. I can see that. That's a good. That's a good thought. Yeah. So it could be both. It doesn't. They don't have to be mutually exclusive. I guess. Okay. Let's uh, move on. Yeah. Here's the next another top question. Here's oh, a related question, Connor yeah, Kelly. Perfect. Here we go. Yeah. How far into Westeros do you think the others will get? Is Danny's dream about meeting the host armored all in ice at the Trident prophetic? Well, we kind of answered that. <laughs> I think it's very think prophetic. So? I think it's a, a almost a straight vision of what's going to happen. Most of the dreams and prophecies we see are vague and they're not necessarily open to straight. Uh, face value interpretation, but I think that one's pretty face value interpretation you can do and uh, and and be pretty confident in, because it's something I think we've all been expecting in some form or another. The dragons fighting the others in some form or the other, at least coming into conflict with them, and having it happen at the same spot her brother fell, and then okay. the dynasty collapsed along with it. Yeah, that, that seems to make some sense. And also, it's just south of the neck. The Trident is roughly, and it's, it's kind of an interesting place to have a big major battle, supernatural or otherwise. Mm -hmm. So I do. I do think the others will get at least as far as the Trident. I think they might get into King's Landing. I think they might get that far. They might destroy King's Landing. I think, I hate to use the TV show as any kind of bellwether, uh, yeah. but the, the, the one thing they showed from on the show of... of Danny's dreams when they because they obviously mm -hmm. couldn't show nearly all the things in the House of the Undying Vision yeah. was snow falling on the Iron Throne, and I don't think they made that up. No. I don't think they were deviating, thinking of deviating that far from the material in season two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, certainly, it would be hard for them to do the host armored and ice at the Trident. Yeah, you know, just that'd be a more expensive shot. So that snow on the Iron Throne is a kind of similar concept really definitely so i think that they will get at least as far as king's landing that's my that's my best bet i don't know if they'll get much farther than that but they could get all the way mm -hmm. down to dorn or something mm -hmm. like that I, I could even see that happening if that happens then i have to agree with the previous yeah. question asker that the that we're looking at three books <laughs> <laughs> and not two all right let's move on then uh Let's go with this one. Aziz, you can read it. All right. From uh, Kieran O'Hagan, the Golden Company landed with a few war elephants on Westeros. How will this affect their tactics in a pitched battle? Do you think the Westerosi will figure out how to counter them as the Romans were forced to do when fighting Pyrrhus of Epirus? Well, one thing about Westerosi war leaders, for the most part, they're not particularly creative. They are, they're very, a lot, for the most part, they're very straightforward. They, they're not great at adapting. There are exceptions. There are some people who are very good at adapting. So it kind of depends on who's in charge. I don't think they will immediately adapt to it. I don't think they'll have time to it, to, to adapt to it necessarily. Uh, that which relates to the prediction of Fagon's rise being 
Young Griff, sorry. <laughs> Meteoric and in both ways. Up, uh-huh. quick rise, quick fall, which means I think he's going to have to win his battles. Now, it's important to remember that John Connington isn't looking to get into a pitch battle right away because he doesn't think that they're strong enough for that. He thinks that their goal should be to take a bunch of castles, increase their strength, then look for a pitched battle, a decisive pitched battle to, to show their superiority, which I think they'll win if that's how it goes. Uh, it might be against the Tyrells. It might be against the Tyrells with the Lannisters. And we know that coalition is, is in peril, which could affect the morale and leadership of those armies, whereas the Golden Company are a very united purpose behind a strong leader. They have momentum on their sides, etc. I do think the war elephants are going to be awesome. I can't wait to see them in action and yeah, it's traditionally, historically, elephants are a real problem for cavalry because horses are afraid of elephants. And of course, we know the Westerosi rely on cavalry a lot because the difference there's a big difference between the quality of knights and the quality of foot soldiers who are recruited from farms and 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 spend most of their lives not fighting. So, the war elephants are are not only a weakness for Westerosi, they're a weakness that targets the Westerosi's best soldiers. The best, the knights are going to be the most impacted by facing war elephants. So I think it could be a disaster for the Westerosi forces for several reasons. Not only because the Golden Company, I think, is just a better, they're more organized, more efficient, they're better fighters, they're professional fighters, and they have more to lose. Or not more to lose, but they arguably have more to lose. And in any case, I think everything favors the Golden Company and, and Young Griff in the short term. Mm. Let's us move on. All right. Let's see then. We can do, okay, yeah, that's a good one. This one? Sure. All right. Another one from Jeff well, Harline, Bridget yeah. Beefish. Martin indicated that the that the books that Jorah gave to Danny in A Game of Thrones would play a part in Tyrion's storyline. How do you think these books will play a role in The Winds of Winter? Will Marwyn play a part? That's his own theory for how cool these books are going to become. <laughs> Well, uh, the books that, first of all, the books that Jorah gives to Danny in Game of Thrones, Danny 2, I suppose it's her second chapter she gets married, are histories and songs from the Seven Kingdoms. And I can imagine, I can't imagine the songs being terribly relevant, but it's possible because songs are not very trustworthy. The uh, you know, singers exaggerate, and mm-hmm. I, I don't see how that would make a big difference. But the histories of the Seven Kingdoms. I could see how that would matter. Danny finding something out about her father, finding something out about her brother, finding something about about her family, understanding the how often there's insanity in her family, which isn't which is less often than some people say, but still pretty often. So there's it's hard to be specific with that. There's so many things in the whole history of Westeros that could impact how Danny sees her own future and herself. But I do think it has something to do with that. Her family, I think, is a good place to think about it. Also, potentially, her seeing some history about dragons. That could have a huge impact. Learning about how dragons were used, how to tame them, how what their weaknesses are, things like that. That could be very important. So I think it generally it falls into that range of information on dragons, information on Targaryens. Yeah, I don't know that I think Marwyn will play a part in that. I think he'll be important to her, but uh, I don't know that he's needed for any interpretation or looking at these books. Yeah, I think Marwyn's influence will be more along the lines of advising her on certain supernatural elements that are happening. And I think he will also be useful in telling her, warning her. For example, the warning that he gave to Sam about Mm -hmm. the maesters. I think that that warning 
needs to be given to Danny as well because yeah. I don't think the maesters yeah. are going to be on her side so much. Gotta They're not going to like dragons. Glass candle. <laughs> That's right. That would be cool. So I think Marwin's role is going to be very significant but small. I think he'll he won't be on screen a lot. I don't think he's going to do a lot of things, but the things that he does will be important. The advice he gives will be really crucial. And I think it's going to have a big impact on what Danny does. What I don't understand, what I can't really figure, is how much Danny's other advisors will react to Marwin's advice. <laughs> if Barristan is around for things that Marwin says, I don't think that Barristan and, and I don't think Barristan and Marwin would would get along necessarily. <laughs> Tyrion and Marwin. What? That's an interesting one. I want to see that. I want to see Tyrion and Marwyn going at. It. I want to see yeah. Tyrion grilling Marwyn on on stuff. <laughs> that's that's something I really want to see happen. Yeah. And if Tyrion trusts Marwyn and Danny trusts Tyrion, which is not necessarily something that's definitely going to happen. I do think that it will happen, but I don't think it'll happen quickly. I think Tyrion will win Danny over. He's kind of good at that. <laughs> and if and if Tyrion trusts Marwyn and Danny trusts Tyrion, then then Danny's going to probably trust Marwyn too. Uh, though, if Barristan doesn't trust Marwyn, that might be a bit of a problem. But Barristan, as we said, might be on the chopping block. Barristan may never see Danny again. Yeah. Sad as that sounds. All right, let's move on. Here, All right. we'll go with this one. Ah, Jerry the Targaryen Steamboat. Hey, Jerry, how you doing? Yeah, do you think Archibald Ironwood and Garrus Drinkwater will get the chance to tell Doran Martell their version of Quentin's quest in The Winds of Winter? And what do you think will be Doran's reaction? Crying. And what do you think the implications of such reaction will be? Well, that's a great question. Many First, tears will be shed, and it's not a good thing for a Dornishman to sh shed tears. <laughs> that's <Right>. true. <laughs> Water is precious in Dorn. Yes. <laughs> they, don't, they can't waste tears like that. Now, I do think they will get a chance to tell Doran Martell, or perhaps Arianne, if Doran dies before that. Because Doran, yeah. frankly, is old and feeble and could go at any minute and there are maybe even yeah. there's even people that might take him out first yeah. uh, he, a, he hangs out at the water garden not the most as we saw in the tv show it's not a very secure location you could just yeah. walk in there and yeah. kidnap princesses <laughs> and it's <that's> a great <laughs> purpose too to have Ariane in control ruling uh yeah failing or succeeding and she's but, starting to learn it's kind of yeah. her arc started to head like she's yeah. gone through this like messing up learning does she get the chance to actually take the reins yeah. i think she might i find myself i don't want Dora to die but I kind of hope he dies before he finds out what happened to Quentin. Some people think the news will, will contribute oh. to his death. That he sent his own son yeah. off to die. Yeah, that would be sad. Aemon Targaryen level sadness there. Very sad. And so, so to better answer the question though, wow, it's, it's tough because if Doran finds out after the news comes, I think the first thing that's going to happen is the rumors will get there first. Like mm. well before Garrus and Archibald even sniff Westeros again. The rumors of what happened to Quentin will get to Westeros and they will not look good on Daenerys. They will blame, it will look like this woman who killed her own brother because that's how a lot of people see it. Even though like he didn't, she, he didn't, yeah. she didn't really do that. Yeah. Uh, but she's, you know, that's what the news will say. And it will say yeah. this too. It will say that she had Quentin killed or that she unleashed yeah. her dragons on Quentin. It won't be, the story won't be that Quentin tried to set the dragons free and yeah. it blew up in his face. That's probably not the rumor that's going to reach Westeros. So if Doran thinks that Danny turned against his own son or if he has no choice because that's the perception and he can't just say, no, you know, he can't just yeah. go side with the woman who everyone thinks killed his son. That would be just wrong by Westerosi morals. So... 
it, he's going to be stuck. If he finds out the truth and he's already committed to being at war with her or treating her as an enemy, how is he going to turn that around? How is he going to convince the people that already don't trust him because of how weak he was in handling the death of his brother? I don't know. It doesn't. Doran's authority could be seriously challenged. And this is this touches to, uh, relates to something we talked about in our Dane Part 1 episode about the potential for Darkstar to unite and potentially even lead the disaffected elements in Dorne who are still upset with this alliance with the Lannisters. They, I mean, remember the scene, the Hotas chapter where there's all these Dornish lords and ladies of very high rank who refuse to drink to the king, who openly refuse to drink a toast to King Tommen. They're ready to go to war. And Doran's hold is not strong on them. So I do think that you know, a Dornish prince being killed is is gonna inf could potentially really inflame an already inflamed situation. I hope I answered that question thoroughly, and uh, it's it's All it's right. a good question. Thanks, Jerry. All right, let's move on. Should we do this one? Sure. Which of the minor houses would be in the best position to rise to be a major player and win? Not counting House Royce, which you covered already. I'd say House Hightower is one. House Hightower, definitely. There's a lot of Hightower kids doing a lot of different things yeah. that relate to the action that's happening. That's mostly said, fighting off the Ironborn. They're in, in danger right now. They are, yes. I would also say House Dane. Good, yeah. you're, Chris, good good call not counting House Royce there because we already kind of pointed out how I don't know how much important. it would be a major player. <laughs> yeah. There's not very many of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But, you know, Gerald and Edric can do something. I do think that there will be some more houses that pop up. I think there. I think we might see some more of the Blackwoods. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll yeah. uh, probably see some more of the Reeds. I think Howland Reed oh, is yeah. finally going to appear one way or another. I don't think they'll be like a major military force or anything like that, mm -hmm. but I think they'll get involved. Uh, a Riverlands house that might get involved besides the Blackwoods is the Malsters. Mm -hmm. Um... As well as... I see more of the Ironwoods, perhaps. We haven't seen much of them, but we've certainly had their might foreshadow. That's a good, very good point, the Ironwoods. I hadn't thought about them at all. Especially... My fun. mind's always on Dorne. <laughs> <laughs> and the Reach, apparently. Yeah, and I think, uh, actually, it's smart to think about Dorne because it's a good, there's a good chance that if Danny comes to Westeros, she may land in Dorne. She may land... There's a lot of places she could land. Yeah. But wherever she lands, well, that area all of a sudden becomes a lot more important. And whatever minor houses are nearby all of a sudden become yeah. potential allies. Oh, Manderley. That's another oh, big one. Yeah, Manderley. Umber also, I think. Not that those two have been particularly minor, but, you know, Fen. they're certainly not on the level of the, the Lannisters or Starks. <laughs> the Fens? Yeah. No, I just mean House Then, because that's a new... Oh, yeah, house, new, former new, House Karstark House Then. Yeah, that's going uh, to be important. Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, yeah, all those northern houses in particular. And maybe the Glovers as well. Maybe not as a house, but I think, you know, Robert mm -hmm. Glover, I think, is going to be pretty important. Yeah. So, yeah, I do think they're... I think, I think it's interesting because I think the POVs will be... They should, they're supposed to be fewer POVs and more combination mm -hmm. of areas coming down into one. But for some, but for some reason, that somehow also includes mm -hmm. secondary houses becoming more important. I don't mm -hmm. know if there's room for that, but I certainly hope so. Yeah. Yeah, I hope that maybe we see more Westerling? of Westerlings. Yeah, we'll see a little bit more a little of them. Bit more I think. Of them. I'm not a major player. I'm just thinking of. Yeah, maybe the maybe the Valarians. I don't know. They they seem kind of small these days. Yeah, they seem small these days. He has written a lot about them in the extra history material. I can't help but think that he might. Anyway, I guess we have you know Dane Waters or yeah. Rain Waters. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, Rain Waters. Good point. And good point. Kind of related to that, but uh, I'm not really sure. Uh, there's probably a few we're not thinking of. The Stormlands, there might be some more action in the Stormlands given that, that uh, young Griff is there right now and there's a lot of action happening there. But again, I think that's gonna get resolved fairly quickly. 
So I'm not sure that we'll linger yeah. there very long. Yeah. All right. Let's All right, continue. Let's keep going. Here's a good name. Viking Socrates. Good, good screen name there, All sir. right. It says, George R. R. Martin's recent blog post indicated that he just finished up revising a Theon Greyjoy chapter. If by chance this later, this, uh... Later in the books, what do you believe the future of Theon holds? Will he be used in the infamous King's Moot plot by Asha? I think he might be used in the infamous King, King's Moot plot by Asha, yes. I think there's a very strong chance of that because uh, the, it's, the story's been brought up a couple times. And generally when historical things are brought up multiple times, it generally, I, I generally tend to believe that that means it's, it's going to happen in the current storyline as well. Something along those lines, something that that harkens back to the historical event that has been brought out a couple times. So, but I don't think he's going to survive the series necessarily, and I don't think that... But I also don't necessarily think he's just going to be killed by Stannis at Winterfell. Even though he talks about how that his lords want that, Stannis himself says, Stannis, he may still be useful. And a lot of people, including myself, assume that that means it might be useful in helping to take Winterfell. Understanding where the secret tunnels are, knowing Winterfell, having some information about how the, the surrounding area. Just basically his, his knowledge of their place is, is useful. But it could also be his fact that he's a Greyjoy. And it, Stannis may have thoughts on how to manage the Iron Islands after he's king. Because that is what he thinks he's going to be. He thinks he's going to be king. He still has that goal. <laughs> and a king thinks ahead. A king thinks about... Who's going to rule each region? He needs to keep those things in, in, in line. Mm -hmm. Someone like the... He may be thinking of Theon for that. Yeah, I feel like he's got to realize that we're not going to follow uh, someone without their manhood. Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> That's uh, a good point. That's a very good point. Which is the problem he has with Asha as well. Yeah, Theon, the yeah, the eunuch king of the Iron yeah, <laughs> That would be... They might take that as an hard for Stannis to, you know be behind that and it, and to, maybe to more directly to the question too if asha uses him in the king's mood like that would they even vote for him if they yeah. don't think he's yeah yeah i don't know i don't know maybe not there are not it could be when the, if this second king's mood happens it could be a really desperate situation though you know it could mm -hmm. be things could be getting really out of hand and people's attitudes might be very different than what we think they would be in normal times mm -hmm. that's the one caveat i would throw in there all right let's move on here's a Fun question from Aiden Bennett. Bennett. What previously unseen place on Planetos would you like to see in the upcoming Winds of Winter or A Dream of Spring? Say, Ooh. there's a lot of Maybe we answers. should limit ourselves to things that we think are actually possible. Because okay, there's a million places in Essos we'd love to see, but we think there's like yeah, next to yeah. zero chance of I was definitely them. thinking of that. My answers are Casterly Rock, for sure seeing. I want to see the inside of the high tower mm. with all their books or whatever Melora's up to in there and Layton. And my other answer is the Isle of Faces. Cool. Yes, Isle of Faces. I, I echo I think all of those things. We're going to see all of those, I think. But I think the high tower is the least likely, but I still think it's possible. Yeah. I'm, I, I I wonder. I think maybe the Isle of Faces may be less likely. I wonder if it's one of the things that he just yeah. wants to keep a mystery forever. Maybe. But I really want to see it. Another option I is... I think it's possible that there was a meeting nearby yeah. between Rhaegar and Lyanna and I, I can't and, or that the green men would be significant and I I just I, I personally do think that it's very very likely that we'll see it I think we might only hear about it from Halloween yeah. that's my thinking is that Halloween's been there and so we may hear him describe it but it's hard for me to imagine who would go there maybe Bran could see it. maybe Bran could look yeah I was kind of thinking he would look way. through it it would make a lot of sense it's such a 
you know, important place to his religion. In terms of other places in Westeros that we haven't mentioned oh, yeah. yet, also, I think I would like to see High Garden. It's not super high on the list, yeah. but I would like to see it. Yeah, and like also, it. I'd like to see some more of the children's caves. The the Aryan but, 2 chapter had some really tantalizing potential there. By the way, I do think it is very likely that we'll see High Garden because Willis is there. Yeah. And I don't think it's as likely for Willis to go traveling. Mm. I think it's possible, but he's, you know, he's handicapped. So. That's true. Also, like Volantis, I want to see Volantis. I want to see oh, yeah. inside the Black Walls, in particular. We've seen Volantis. We have, yeah. we, but you know, from Quentin's point of view, but we haven't seen the like juicy parts of Volantis inside the Black Walls. That's particularly yeah. what I want to see. That's a kind of a long Starfall. shot, a bit of a long shot. Starfall. Oh, very good call. Yes, of course, Starfall. Yeah, I really want to see Starfall. Kind of want to see Runestone too, since we've been, you know, we talked <laughs> about House Royce and House Dane a lot lately. But that's an even longer shot. I just can't. <sighs> the story going to Runestone just doesn't seem very likely. No. But I would still really want to see it. <laughs> And I would love to see more of, of Dragonstone, but also that the story maybe seems to be moving away from that. All right, very good Move question, on. very good question. Here's another question from Nina Friel, Boards and Politics of Ice and Fire. Do you have ideas in mind for a prologue POV and maybe even an epilogue POV if there is one? Yeah, now epilogues are less likely. There's only been two of those out of the mm -hmm. five books, but all five books have had a prologue. Yeah. Is that right, two? Or is it three? No, I think it's two. Yeah. yeah. But um, I'll say that my favorite theory was shot out when George made some comments about what the prologue would have to do with it. It would have to do with Jane Westerling. And I had been really fond of the idea that we'd see Marwyn uh, as the prologue, as a maester, um, to keep up with the possibly pattern. Not quite sure, but it would be a pattern in that case. And that then he would die and it would be very devastating to all of us who wanted him to be important. Yeah. He'd like arrive at the battle and just die, but obviously that's not the case. We know it's someone to do with the Westerlings. I, I'm hoping that it's a maester just because I like patterns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, of course, with the coming prologue POV, we've had a bit of a spoiler yeah. from George on that, and that's that it will have something to do with the trek from, the, from the Riverlands to Casterly Rock, which means we could see, we could potentially see the wolves. We could see the, the commander of this... Lannister encampment, which is oh yeah, the wolf, which book, is yeah. Forley Prester. And we could see the commander. Uh, we could see it from the Brotherhood without Banner's point of view. We'll say Blackfish, maybe, mm -hmm. which would I don't want to see that because but if Blackfish is the prologue character, that means yeah. he's gonna die. So no thanks. I'd I'd much rather see someone else see the Blackfish, kill him. <laughs> like if it's Prester, for example, Sir Forley Prester. I'd love to see that chapter end with Blackfish killing him. That'd be cool. I don't have anything against Forley Prester, but, uh, you know, if it's between him and Blackfish, <laughs> that's not close. Uh, as far as epilogue POVs, that I really don't know. I could see, I do think there will be an epilogue in, in, this, in this next book because there's so many things happening off screen that the POV characters can't all handle. Mm -hmm. And if he's reducing <laughs> the POVs... He's not reducing epilogue and prologue POVs. That's mm -hmm. he's still going to keep doing that according to him. So he's got. He's, there's so many things yeah. he's got to show that that characters yeah. can't necessarily see themselves. Yeah, I'm fond. Um, this is on to a dream of spring, but I'm fond of the idea that it'll be Bran as the epilogue POV. The final epilogue. Yeah, yeah. I like that because he was the first. Yeah. Regular chapter. Yeah, yeah I like that idea prologue, too. but yeah. Uh, could just be a night's watchman. <laughs> really, <laughs> That's, yeah. But no, I like the idea of Bran because he could see, he'd have the ability to see what's happening to, for all the different characters. He can, you know, see some stuff. And, what, uh, one other idea I had along the lines with the Maester possibility, mm -hmm. the Maester point of views, was because, and this will relate to something we're going to talk about in our next regular episode, Dane Part 2, is 
the maester at Starfall. Imagine the maester at Starfall being the point of view, and he's just doing his thing, walking around, thinking about his things, mm-hmm. thinking about Starfall, thinking about how long he's been there, <laughs> hopefully thinking about like juicy information <laughs> about the history of the place, and we can see what it looks like. And he walks into the room where Dawn is stored or kept or locked behind some yeah, well, thing, say that... and it turn it bursts into flame like Lightbringer just. Yeah. You know, the others are nearby, like like Glamdring in Lord of the Rings. Like, oh, the others are near. It turned blue, yeah. but instead it burst into flame like Lightbringer. I'll say <laughs> that's that, my crackpot theory. Yeah, I'll say that one that can't be for the Winds of Winter, and two <laughs> if it was for a well, it would be. Spring. It could be the epilogue of the Winds of Winter. Oh, okay, the epilogue. It would not. Hold I don't think it would be the prologue. The, it yeah. would not be part of the pattern. It can't be the prologue because we already know the prologue is the Westerlands. Yeah, yeah exactly. And it, if it was a Dream of Spring, then it would have nothing to do with the pattern. It would be, yeah, it'd be 247 instead of 246. If it's eight books, then. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Okay, well, let's move on. Okay, uh, which one? We can go to that one with Darren Tucker there. All right, will Brand slash Bloodraven reveal anything huge to us in the Winds of Winter? R plus L equals J. Aegon baby swapping during the sack of King's Landing? Something else? Yeah, that is a really tough question that has a lot of answers. Even uh, despite it being a tough question, I really like it. I think that, yes, on the surface, will he reveal anything huge to us? Definitely. I can't imagine Bran getting all these powers to see through the time and see into the past and reveal nothing to us. Come on, he's got to reveal some juicy stuff. It's one of the things I'm looking forward to most in the story. I'm a little worried that it's, it's, there's too much potential there for what he can reveal because he can see so much. The powers, that the way we've seen them work, it seems like... I wouldn't say limitless, but really, really mm. astonishingly powerful. So, some good potentials. Yes, absolutely. Those the Aegon baby swapping. I don't think that I don't think we'll see that. I think that Bran is going to mostly be looking for things that are related to his own storyline and to his family storyline. So I might think. Well, I think more along the lines of Lyanna and Rhaegar stuff. What happened there? Maybe his own father's relationship with Ashara potentially. Maybe what happened at the Tower of Joy, uh, although I think that's more likely to be learned through Howland, who George has confirmed that we will eventually see. Other possibilities. Uh, he could potentially see what's coming. He could potentially see the others coming down. He could see, he could see what's happening in the different regions with the different wars breaking out, seeing on a large scale. He could see, and I know uh, our buddy Jeff from Wars and Politics of Ice and Fire has suggested that he could be our viewing point, our vantage point to the Battle of Ice. Rather than seeing it through the point of view characters who are in the battle, we could see some sort of above view, like a nar- almost like a, as if it's a narrator, something that we don't normally get in A Song of Ice and Fire. We get to see the battle from someone who's able to see multiple things at once rather than just seeing it through the eyes of some terrified participant, which is normally what we get. And that's realistic because mm-hmm. battle is terrifying even for brave people. But it would be an interesting change and a really neat thing to do. And so I kind of I kind of like that idea. I kind of hope we do see that. But whether we will or not, of course, that's, that's too big to predict. Now, right. uh, other possibilities, I guess he could see. I mean, given what he saw in his early visions... Well, while he was in his coma, that is potentially a clue to what he might be seeing later. He saw you know, dragons stirring beneath the shadow in Asha. He saw to the far north where there were, you know, there's these walls of ice and other dreamers were impaled upon these these ice icy sword things. And yeah, it's so much potential there. I hope maybe he'll see the dread for Maybe he'll see old Nan. <laughs> maybe he'll answer that question, our first question with that. 
so many possibilities. I really, really, I wonder if this is part of the reason George is taking uh, a while to finish the book is that he's given himself so many options and he can't settle on which way to go. Hmm. I know that's what I would be struggling uh-huh. with. <laughs> uh-huh. All right, let's uh, move on then. Sure. Here's a question I quite like a lot. Uh, Ooh, that is a good Michael question. Bullock. If you could read any in-world book, what would it be? I'd say it wouldn't, for me, it wouldn't be the loves of Queen Nymeria, that romance novel <laughs> our Anne's reading. Not that one. I'd say like the Jade Compendium or Hoynish Wars or some big, big fat... Or the Death of the Dragons, that, yeah, the, the book dragons. that uh, that the supposedly locked in the Citadel. Oh, the Book of Lost Books, yeah. Okay. Signs and Portents. Yeah, that one I, good. We could go on. Sorry, about. Michael, we can't pick just one. Yeah, we'll just name all, all of our Wonders made, made by man. Oh, yeah, yeah. Lomas Longstrider's book. Oh, gimme, gimme. Mm-hmm. I really need <laughs> that. I, I need that now. Up our alley, yeah, there's a lot of just, yeah, all of them. We yeah, there, read there's... Them all except for... The really biased ones, <laughs> which, you know. <laughs> you give me any history book from from Westeros. And... I don't really want the Book of Holy Prayer. <laughs> yeah, I don't think but... I need the seven-pointed star, necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah there's, there's a lot of great ones. That'd Anything be, be... by Septon Barth. I know they've all yeah. been burned, but maybe but we speculate maybe there's a few copies survived somewhere. Yeah, give me Septon Barth's book. Yeah. Definitely. If I actually have to settle on one thing, if I have to pick one, yeah. give me... What is it? Worms and wyverns. Yeah, yeah. Unnatural history. Uh, unnatural history. Exactly. That would be man. Now I just I just want to think about that for a while. Yeah. I'm not answering any more I, I, questions. Yeah. I'm just going to think about how cool that would be. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that'd be a fun episode to just talk about uh, the different cool books. Oops. <laughs> yeah, it would be. It would be really cool to just to, to see the books. Maybe one day, maybe that will be something that is in Fire and Blood when that uh, yeah. history book is released. They'll release more cool titles. I know that's what one thing that Linda and Elio said they had a lot of fun with when yeah. re- helping with the World of Ice and Fire was one thing Elio got to do name books. was name books. And maesters. <laughs> and maesters. And you said you had a lot of fun with that. And yeah, that would I be fun. can understand that. I would have had a blast doing that too. Yeah. Definitely. All right, let's move on. All right. Uh... Yeah, that one. Cool. Another one from Viking Socrates. They say, first off, thank you for doing this. Huge fan of History of Westeros, and I'm excited for your predictions involving the Winds of Winter. I've heard numerous theories on the direction of Sansa in the Winds of Winter and the Vale, so what is in store for Sansa and the Vale? Good question, good question. Now, for a more detailed answer, of course, we have our episode on the Elaine spoiler chapter where we give certain predictions and certain ideas. Now, it hasn't been that long since we put that episode out. Probably only about about six months, seven months. But even now, we've already it's been like a, a, a year. Thought about some different things on that. Well, it was during the TV season. Yeah, it's been almost a year, but yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess it's like year. nine months. Yeah, more like nine months. Yeah, yeah. or well, I guess about eight. Anyway. Anyways. Anyway, uh, the I think that she is in the meantime. I don't think she's gonna be leaving the Vale terribly soon. I think she think she's gonna be there a while, unless this this kidnapping thing happens, which is definitely possible. But I don't think that's gonna succeed. I think it's someone's gonna try. And it won't work. Uh, although, if it does work, then I'm clearly wrong, and she won't be in the Vale. Whoever, if someone kidnaps her, they're not going to stay in the Vale. <laughs> they're going to leave the Vale. They're going to head back to King's Landing or something like that. Uh, as for the rest of the Vale, I kind of alluded to this earlier. I think they're in big trouble. I think they're there's they're, they're looking like there might be the, the infight. The potential for infighting may have died down a bit, but I still think there's a chance for that. And the others, of course, I think is the big, real big problem. The Vale is, is a fairly, you know, the next most northern kingdom besides the north itself. Thus, they are the most in peril, apart from the north, 
from the great danger uh, of the it's white safer waters. Safer in some cases because they're you know remote. I yeah, mean, but maybe. that could I don't, really. I don't know how they could travel up there, but like it'd be really cold. Maybe the cold would just get him. But I, I also yeah, exactly. Think That's what that, I'm worried like, about. The cold, uh, yeah. the lack of food. Yeah, lack all the water supply is freezing. That, <laughs> no, that, I just have to think that. that like the Erie up there, if they just have their food, I can't help but think that they're safe from the others. Yeah, but I, anyway, we just, yeah we just don't know how the others handle like sieges. Yeah. I mean, how does it like they don't have catapults and trebuchets, but if they did have a catapult, they could fling whites. Through the window, yeah, <laughs> could stand up and start wreaking havoc. Wrong to get that high up. Yeah, to the eerie. Yeah, that's a good point. But maybe some of the other castles that would work. Yeah. <laughs> or they could just do the like the, the what is it the World War Z thing where they just kind of stand on top of each other. They just human wall, just climb each other. I could see that working. That's kind of terrifying. I'd like to see that on TV. They'll just use the bodies of everyone they've killed in the veil. Yeah, yeah, right. Human ladder, human water. <laughs> So I do think the veil is in, is is in, is in trouble. I think by the end of it all, the veil will will be have suffered greatly, mm -hmm. uh, not just from the plotting of Littlefinger and the infighting from the lords there, but but from the the oncome the oncoming, <laughs> the onset of the new long night or whatever we're going to call it. Whatever, for lack of a better term, whatever the others bring with them is going to particularly damage the veil. All right. All right. I right, keep the questions on. coming, folks. We got a lot of good questions here. Right. Uh, the we'll remember that you can, if you're participating live, you can check the questions there and upvote the ones that you want to see. Yeah, We're mostly just sticking to the ones with the most votes. Just to reiterate, if you missed the beginning of the episode, um, to get to the Q and A section, if you're on Google Plus, click on the Q and A button in the top right. If you're on YouTube, there's a link to a Google Plus Hangout. Uh, in the description. That's where you should be commenting. Yeah, we're about halfway uh, through here, so let's yeah. get back into it. Let's see. I'm going to choose this one from Darren Tucker. What is the likelihood of learning these true identities in the Winds of Winter? Aegon, Cold Hands, Hooded Man, Gravedigger, Alaris, and Jaqen slash Pate? That's a great question. Okay, I think so. Alaris for sure. Alaris, I think that's one of the most straightforward. I don't know if other people will learn the identity, but I think, I mean, in, in world, but I think us readers. The clue is just too straightforward. Yeah. The name backwards is Sorella. That's it's got to be yeah. who she is. <laughs> yeah. The hooded man. Uh, I do think we'll learn who that is. I think that's a really important one. I don't think that that was just a random thing. Mm -hmm. And I think we'll have to find out who that is. Grave digger. I think is likely, very, very likely. very likely. I wouldn't say it's for sure. I think it is possible that that's the end of Sandor's story. I don't think so, but I think it's possible. I'm not sure it's important for the reader to really be to know for sure that this Pate, Pate Jakin is yeah. the same person. We are 100% sold on that, but I don't know that it's super important for the reader to learn that that is for George to reiterate that it's Jaken, or that it's the same faceless man. I think there may be additional clues to that, but I don't know that it's important. Mm -hmm. I think that this the thing that this whatever this faceless man is doing is what's important. Who he is, I don't think that matters necessarily because I think yeah. he may represent the greater desires of the faceless men unless he's some sort of rogue agent, in which case I got no idea. Okay. <laughs> um, cold uh, hands, I'd say I've feel mixed. I think it's possible, but I also think it's very possible that there's just not a big secret. There's just an old, you know... And Maybe one of the Raven's yeah. Teeth or something. I personally tend to lean towards that, but I just don't really think that it's anyone particularly significant. Um, but it's possible we learn, A, that we learn who it is and it is significant, and B, it's possible we learn who it is and it isn't significant. I think that Fagon slash Young Griff slash Aegon the Sixth, I think that mystery may, may uh, never be truly Inclusive. answered yeah. i think that's one that partly because i don't think that it would be uh martin-esque 
for us to find out the truth there. The only real way we would know for absolute certainty is given based on that previous question of, say, Bran viewing it through, you know, yeah. the Werewood net. Varus telling us the truth? Yeah. Would we, possible. would we, is that likely to happen? Is Varus going to admit it to somebody on screen in a way that we would see? Mm -hmm. Why would, I don't see why he would do that. If, if and even if. He's like an epilogue POV. <laughs> yeah, even if the dragons eat Fagon. That might prove that he's not a dragon, but hey, Quentin had a little bit of dragon blood, and they ate, mm -hmm. you know, they didn't have a trouble burning him. Yeah. So that isn't necessarily proof either. So I, I think that's a question that may never be answered, which is mm -hmm. a little disappointing. But it's also fitting with the way the story works. We don't always get the answers. It wouldn't make sense for us to get all the answers because yeah. that wouldn't be realistic. All right, that's all for that one. All right. All right, Drew Hinkus. All oh, right. Uh, what are the odds of Danny's dragons helping her forge new Valyrian blades? We expect her to liberate Volantis, and it would be convenient to find some skilled smiths slash ancient books behind the black walls. That is awesome. I don't think that we will see new forging of Valyrian steel. Mm, though I like the idea that it's possible and something that they will try to do, maybe. Mm -hmm. Because they, if they realize... It seems like it shouldn't be too hard for them to figure this out, that Valyrian Steel is useful against the others. I don't know that it's going to be necessarily, like, super useful. It's already uh, really great. I mean, Valyrian Steel swords are awesome no matter who you're facing, as far as weapons go. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they have extra value against the others, but if they do, it won't take people very long to figure that out. And if they have the ability to make more, then they'll do it. But I don't know that they'll figure that out, and... I don't, especially because I think the forging of Valyrian steel blades might involve sacrifice. That's that's something that we're going to talk about in the in the Dane episode. When we talk about Lightbringer and its similarities to Valyrian steel. There seems to be some evidence, some strong evidence, to suggest that Valyrian steel involves human sacrifice. It's part of the process, and we'll also be touching on in this Dane part two episode as, as a little teaser how that how the, a couple of concepts that relate to that. One, consider. Human sacrifice being a part of forging of Valyrian steel? Well, think about the Lightbringer legend of Nissa Nissa and how she gave her life to be put into this blade. A willing sacrifice versus a forced sacrifice. But either way, there's a sacrifice involved. And also think about the, the whole concept of someone's life energy going into a sword. Sounds a little crackpot. But think about what happened when Stan, Sam, Stan, <laughs> Sam stabbed the other with the dragon glass dagger. What happened? The dagger was too cold to touch afterwards. It's almost like the energy of that other went into the blade. I don't imagine that that energy is still there. That blade isn't still too cold to pick up, but it shows you how that kind of concept, that kind of energy transfer idea, seems to have at least a basis for truth. And so I think that's interesting. It's hard to predict what will happen with anything magical in The Song of Ice and Fire. Because George is intentionally vague about how it all works. So it's hard to guess. But I like this idea, I like this concept of Valyrian Blades. And of course, I said earlier, I would love to see inside the Black Walls of Volantis. So if he do, if, if it gets in there, then that would be a good thing to look up. But I think if they had the, the, the ways, the, the knowledge to do this, they might be looking for other ways to make Valyrian Steel using equivalently hot things. Eh, maybe not. It's a, it's a good question. Uh, if we see new Valyrian Steel Blades forged, I'll be happy. But I kind of doubt it. I kind of doubt it. All right, let's move on then. Cash Craig, Hand of the King. Okay, folks, let's talk about Aaron Damphair in The Winds of Winter. Will we see him as a sample chapter? Where is he right now? What makes his chapter so twisted, as George says? Okay, well, where is he right now? Let's, let's start with that. He's 
somewhere in the Iron he's, he's He's gone into hiding in the Iron Islands. He's maybe starting some sort of anti-Euron campaign, which he, he was probably hiding to wait for Euron to leave. And now that Euron's gone, I imagine he's going to start preaching against Euron and doing his thing. He hates Euron. Okay. And, I, and I think... Yeah, I for think, good reason. Yeah, and I think that relates to partly your third part of the yeah. question, which is why is the chapter so twisted? Okay, so Euron in, Euron in A Feast for Crows, he has these memories yeah. of a, rust, a scream of a rusted iron hinge. And to me... And a lot mm-hmm. of people, I'm not alone in this, yeah. I think you agree with this, that it, it sounds like Aaron, he has these awful memories of the door opening late at night, Euron coming in to terrorize him, possibly sexually, just, mm-hmm. just, just to mess with him. And Euron is not one of those older brothers who s- stops at just harassing a younger brother. Mm-hmm. He is a nasty piece of work. And I imagine he did some nasty things to, to Aaron. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I think we both guess that it'll be some t- memories. It could be Maybe twisted memories of how he was visceral treated. Visceral memories of sexual abuse. And if not or abuse, if not sexual. Yeah, and if it's something more that's happening currently, something that's going mm-hmm. to happen, then I think it's going to be something just regular brutal violence, something that he's doing to Euron's followers, something he's doing to take down Euron, uh, and that involves... The Ironborn aren't known for, for taking uh, light measures when they're at war with each other. So I think that there will be some nastiness. And if it's not, if it's not the memories, it's going to be something along the lines of violence that he does to try and get the Ironborn free from Euron's hold. Mm-hmm. All right. That one's done. Uh, let's see. This one's easy Good one. one. All right, another one from Kieran O'Hagan. Do you, how likely do you reckon that the wall will still be standing by the end of T-Wow? I think it will still be standing. I don't think the entire wall comes down. I think that a, a big part of it could come down. Mm-hmm. I don't think the whole entire, th- you know, several long miles long structure, hundreds of miles long structure, however long it is, I forget, 300 leagues or 100 leagues, whichever it is, 700 feet tall. The whole thing coming down is a bit too big for me. I could see it happening, but I guess I'm going to guess no. I also think they might just get around the wall. Uh, the dead things in the water chapter really made me think about that a lot more. The idea that they would go into the water, come out on the other side of the wall. The wall doesn't doesn't stop them from using the sea, I don't think. If they can use the sea, they can go around the wall, just like the wildlings do. So we don't even know if the wall truly stops the others. We, 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 there's some strong evidence for it. The whites having trouble passing through... This has never truly been put to the test, though. I do believe the wall is magical. I think there's magic in there, but exactly how it works, I don't know. And I don't think it can stop people from going around it. But to very to, to answer the question, I do think the wall will still be there. I think the wall will, will still be there by the end of the series. But I think it could be broken. A big hole could be opened up in it. And I think it could be, you know, gone around. They could do an end around on it. So, yeah. let's. We'll have to wait and see on that. Uh, the wall is, I think, whenever, whenever it happens, I think it will be during T-Wow. All right, let's go with this one from Michael Bullock. What game do you think Sorella might be playing in Old Town? I think we might have talked about this in the past. I think we both think that it's a pretty simple thing. She's just pretending to be a man and studying at the Citadel, and that's her game. It's a, I mean, it is a game like to be having a hidden identity. I think that that could just be it. It's possible she's doing something else. Yeah, I just hope that she doesn't that she doesn't end up being like Danny Flint or something, j- yeah. pretending to be a man. Danny Flint was a brother of the Night's Watch, a sister uh, brother, of yeah. the Night's Watch, who pretended to be a man and served as served as a brother for a while, and then they did horrible things to her when they found out who she was. Now, of course, that's partly because the Night's Watch is often full of horrible people. Yeah. They're full of ex, full of ex criminals and stuff. 
you know, Citadel is not calmer. like that. Yeah, yeah. Citadel is more mild. Definitely some are. But they, yeah. but they are kind of strict about some things. I can yeah. see them. I don't think they're gonna, you know, rape and murder no. her. But they could very well, you know, do something bad to her. They could at least they would at least kick her out, if not worse. Yeah, yeah. It certainly came like to just have to keep that. Yeah. yeah, she would lose her game if they found out who she was. But it's also possible that she does have something else planned there. Right? Yeah, I can't conceive of any greater purpose. I'm not sure what she could be after. I'm not sure what she... You know, she's a bit young to be, you know, center stage in politics or something yeah. like that. Yeah, uh, I have to know. think that if she is playing any larger game, it's not going to work out. It's going to be disturbed by the Ironborn. Yeah, that's yeah. true. I mean, incredible. She's helped. captured. It might be helped <laughs> if she's, you know, chaos might help if she does have some sort of goal. For maybe she'll take out a few iron more with her bow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, let's move on. Uh, Darren Tucker asks, do you think there are any hints slash plot lines in A Game of Thrones, book one, that Martin has abandoned at this point in the story? Oh, well, there's in that, in that manuscript, we certainly saw quite a few that he had, that he'd wanted to do that he changed. Yeah, this I think there's a lot actually. I think there's a lot, especially in the early chapters. There's a lot of foreshadowing that's not actually foreshadowing anymore. It's 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 foreshadowing for what George had intended for the story to be originally, and it no longer applies. Certain things like Jamie appearing to look like a king to Bran, and Tyrion standing as tall as a king when because in the 1993 manuscript, Tyrion was going, Jamie was going to murder his way to the throne and blame <laughs> Tyrion for it, <laughs> and. I think, of course, Danny's going to Ashai was, yeah. I think, originally part of the story. No more. Not not happening now. Uh, so I actually, yes, there's a lot of them. I wouldn't possibly be able to remember them all here uh, on the fly. But it's one of the reasons I think that Game of Thrones as a book, you know, I love it. I give it an A. I give it okay. a high grade. But I think as a book, it, uh, it it it's dropped off my... It's not my number one. It's not my number two. It's probably not even my number three because of that. Some of the early parts are a little off. You have things that, that George has kind of given up on, he's changed his mind on, and those relics are still there, and they occasionally get in the way. They're a little confusing. It's kind of like my complaint with The Hedge Knight. My, the Hedge Knight is my least favorite of the three Duncan Egg stories because it doesn't talk about the Blackfire Rebellion. It's a little bit broken. <laughs> he, he, he invented the idea of these Targaryen bastards and these, this, this drama at the beginning he had that idea in game of thrones that the the, the seeds are there but exp he expanded it to be this whole targaryen bastard line this whole rebellion this whole series of rebellions that idea didn't exist when he wrote the hedge knight so it's just kind of off because it's not it there it doesn't make sense that they would not even refer to the blackfire rebellion in that story so to me it's a little broken it's it's still awesome you know again take take my complaint with a grain of salt but game of thrones has that has that problem there's a few things that just don't work anymore and a few things, few foreshadowing things that throw mm -hmm. people off. They're not. It's not really foreshadowing. It was mm -hmm. foreshadowing, and that can be confusing. And, and in the fandom, when we discuss some of these things, you got it's really hard to convince somebody of that. Say, hey, no, no, George doesn't want that anymore. You, you people, will, it's too easy for someone to say, you don't know what George is thinking. You don't uh -huh. know what his plans are. And like, yeah, well, you're right. I don't. But like, this clearly isn't part of the story anymore. I mean, uh -huh. there's a lot of examples like that back then. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. This is. Slightly related to what we were hitting on um, in that previous question. This is from Zokai Xa. 
I don't know if that's a name that's meant to be said out loud. Um, <laughs> Martin said a few years ago that we won't get to see a shy only in recaps from certain characters. Do you think he'll stick to that statement, or will he take us further east? This book, I think he'll stick to it. I don't think we'll see it. I think he'll stick to it. Another thing that happened, I think, is that he env initially envisioned Ashai being a little closer than it was. <laughs> when the lands of when he fully fleshed out the maps, Ashai is really, really far away. I mean, yeah. Ashai is as far from Karth. As Karth is from, say, Volantis and mm. <laughs> Slaver's Bay. I mean, she's closer to Westeros than she is to Ashai, and she's in Slaver's Bay, <laughs> right now, I think. Or about the same. <laughs> it's really close. So, yeah, I just don't see the story going there. And and that's maybe part of why Melisandre was made a POV, because yeah. Melisandre's been there. Mm -hmm. So we will maybe get to see some Ashai from her point of view. Plus, we have Marwyn, who's been to Ashai, maybe to talk mm. about it a little bit. Yeah. I don't think we'll get a Marwyn point of view, but as you said, it's a possibility. It would probably be a prologue epilogue thing. Yeah. Not a full set of no. chapters for him. but So he might tell us some things about it. And mm -hmm. I think we might learn some more about it. But yeah, no, I don't think so. I don't, we're not going to see it. I think only in flashbacks, only in memories, only in discussion. Not mm -hmm. We won't see it physically, which is too bad. But it would. But it also, I don't see how it's going to fit mm -hmm. in the story that much. All right, let's move on. Uh, oh, great question. Another one from Jeff. Yeah, he asks, Who are the Golden Company's friends in the Reach? Moreover... Which major lords from the Reach, Stormlands, Dorne, and the Crownlands will declare for Aegon in the Winds of Winter? Great, great question. I think that there's a couple of great nominees for who the sneaky friends in the Reach might be. My, two of my Tarly. favorite picks. Tarly, yes. That's one of the two. Tarly is... Not only is Tarly in the epilogue, the Kevin Lannister epilogue, he multiple times, he just kind of obnoxiously inserts this opinion of, if it is Connington, you know, like, Connington's doing this and that, and if it is Connington, you know, if blah, 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 was like, if it is Connington, you know, he's just, this is awkwardly downplaying, and, and Tarly's the kind of guy that I don't think would be good at, like, acting, <laughs> you know, he's a soldier, <laughs> so I think that he's, you know, he's capable at intrigue, but in terms of, like, pretending to be have the opposite opinion i don't think he's super savvy in that so i think this might be what what george is showing us that he's not good at pretending to be uh, uh pretending to play for the other side <laughs> he's he's a little awkward in his attempts to uh, he's a little obvious in what he's saying here mm -hmm. and the others aren't catching on because they're not thinking along those lines either they they, they don't think of tarly as a possible traitor but, and there's two other things there there's another reason that tarly might turn is that for one he was a targaryen loyalist he Stayed with Ares. He was, remember, he's the one guy that beat Robert in the war. Mm -hmm. uh, and Mace, but Mace, Ty Mace Tyrell took credit for that. Mace Tyrell. Mace Tyrell of Mice and Mace. <laughs> uh, Mace Tyrell took credit for, for Tarly's victory, which I don't think Tarly uh, liked. And to make matters worse, Tarly's wife had a claim to, high, to a Brightwater Keep, which was lost because, well, that's the Florence, and the Florence sided with Stannis. So the crown awarded... Brightwater Keep to the Tyrells. Mace took it for himself and gave it to his son Garland. Really, Tarly wanted it for his wife because his wife was a, was a Florence, so he thought he had a better claim. Mm -hmm. So Mace not only stole Tarly's credit for the victory, and he stole kind of stole uh, Brightwater Keep out from under his wife. So that's a lot of reasons to not be stay loyal to Mace. Especially add that to the fact that the Tyrell Lannister. Uh, Alliance is fraying, especially with Kevin dead now. I, I think that's even more reason for Mace to want to jump ship. The other one is Mathis Rowan, who is one of the most powerful lords in the Reach. He's been in the series this whole time. He hasn't had a big presence, but note, very notably, when Tyrion is in council with Tywin and many of the other lords just before the Purple Wedding, 
they're discussing the war and Tywin makes this comment about how uh, you know it's wrong to you know, certain things are wrong to do and he's guilty of these same things himself. He's Tywin's basically being a huge hypocrite and and, and Tyrion notes that Mathis Rowan is struggling to contain his rage at this. Rowan was also a Targaryen supporter. So you could see uh, some of the same reasons he has to flip are the same reasons that Tarly has. I don't know that he's ever been, you know, betrayed out of the castle or someone took credit for what he did. But, you know, I don't think he ever really wanted to be on this side of things. I think he always wanted to maintain his loyalty to the Targaryens. And, of course, you know, he knew which... He's, a, he's not an idiot. He's not going to go down with the ship. He wanted to save himself and his family. So when the, when the time came to bend the knee, he did so. But, yeah. And I do think that... I think he's a major candidate to be a uh, Aegon supporter. All right, let's move on then. Oh, the uh, actually uh, the, next part, the rest uh, part of the question. Moreover, which major lords from the Reed, Stormlands, Dorne, and the Crownlands will declare for Aegon and Tiwa? I think that a lot of Dorne will go with Aegon because he is fighting the Lannisters and Tyrells, and the Dornish men are angry at the Lannisters. They hate the Lannisters, and they're not fans of the Reachmen either. So he has uh, he's a very appealing uh, coalition to them. They he, they don't like where they're at. I think Ironwoods are appealing to. Ironwoods, they're good. They're big on male primogenitor. That's for very one, true. Over Daenerys, um, whereas Dorne is more possible to go for Daenerys. Just on like, like if Arianne's the ruler, I think it's possible that she's she would go for Daenerys. Just in terms of it's better for her and her rights. The Stormlands is also a bit of a mess in a lot of ways. Not only they were they just invaded, but you've got castles like. Night Song, which was given to the Foots by the Lannisters, so they're not gonna. He's not gonna side with Fagon. That the, the Lannisters are why he's in power. You know, he might he, he might see it given back to House Caron if if he's, uh, you know, the bastard of Night Song would be the only living Caron mm -hmm. blood person I know of. But yeah. still, he's got his position because of the Lannisters. So that's a perfect example of someone who won't turn unless he can be assured of keeping his castle. And, you know, like the Dondarians are kind of a mess. Beric, you know, his situation. We don't even know who's in charge of that castle now. And, yeah, the Selmys. You know, I don't <laughs> suppose the Selmys. I think the Selmys might turn for Aegon because of how they treated Barristan. Mm -hmm. How the Lannisters treated Barristan. That's a possibility. And I'm sure there's some other Stormlords yeah. houses worth uh, discussing, but that's good for now. You know, some of them yeah. are... I think largely the Stormlands will will be fall in line for, for Aegon. I think that's. I think it was a smart place for him to land. Here's... Another one uh, from Bobby Lyons. What storyline are you most looking forward to in the Winds of Winter? She cannot decide between John and Bran slash Bloodraven, but there are so many other interesting plots. Uh, the Daenerys, Brienne, Cersei King's Landing, Dorne, Young Griff, um, Battle of... Battle of Fire and Battle, Battle of... I guess it's supposed to be Battle of Ice. Battle of Wall, or... Yeah, anyways. Um, anyway, uh, so... Poof. That's a really tough question. Uh, mine's the Battle at Old Town. I'm really excited for that. Uh, yeah. In particular. Uh, I'm particularly excited to find out what happens in you know at High Hermitage with Darkstar. I know that's kind oh, of yeah. a minor point, but <laughs> it's just something on my mind lately because this is the episodes that we've been working with working with House Dane. So yeah. I really want to like if you had asked me this question right after we working the Battle of Ice, I'd be like, what's going to happen with the Battle of Ice? <laughs> Back and, to Battle of Fire. Right? Yeah. I, I I don't know that I have a favorite. I am. I think maybe I'm most. I'm potentially most interested in Bran's stuff because it has the most potential for revealing great, huge mysteries. Mm -hmm. And as much as I'm, I'm a guy who tends to downplay the supernatural elements. That doesn't mean I don't love them. Mm -hmm. I really am curious about how this is going to work and how it's going to play out. 
But I do tend to, I don't know. Yeah, I can't, I can't honestly say. Uh, but I'm really looking forward to so many different things. Rick I'd on. say, yeah, Rickon. Rickon's excited. Yeah, the Skagos. I want to see Skagos. Skagos. Yeah. That's my, those are my two picks. Skagos and Old Town. Seeing places we haven't seen yet is Yeah, I've seen Castle Yak is also, yeah, I'm just really excited to see Castle Yak. It's such an epic castle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of, and the, and the other thing about, the other thing that makes this question so hard to answer is that one of my complaints with T-Wow is that it had too many cliffhangers. So there's a lot of things that were just like, what's next? What happens? What would, like, next page? We need the next page for that chapter, you know? It's like, just give me the first two sentences of what happened, you know, yeah. So, yeah, that, it would be easy. That's another thing that would make the question easier to answer if there weren't so many, so many cliffhangers, so many things that are just, like, waiting for an immediate resolution rather than just watch, seeing this whole arc play out. All right, let's move on. Try to get through more of these. Uh, this is an easy, short question from Aiden Bennett. If Martin were to write spin-off novels set in Planetos, which regions, time periods, or events would you like to see? We've touched on this before, so we can answer it pretty quickly. Uh, mine is, you know, Nymeria's uh, migration. That's a huge one, because you get to see so many different cultures so and places. Much, so much you could see. We talked about it. I forget, I forget which one we talked about it, but... I thought it was in an episode. It might have been the last Q&A. <laughs> yeah, it might have been the last Q&A, but we have, like, a partially worked on doc that's just about her life, just because, like, it would make an epic series of movies or TV show. It's really well contained, and it just like, keeps... You're like, okay, you thought that was enough? Well, here's this. Yeah. And then here's this seven more times. We can like, see the ancient... Roi we can see the Roinar, the ancient... Oh, the, are there Valerians? culture? We can see, maybe to see the Valerians. We get to see... At least we get we to see them see attacking. Magic. We can see their, their, we get their place. See we can see Sothorios. Summer Isles. The Summer Isles. Yeah. I think Nath, maybe? maybe? Yeah, we get to see Nath. Yeah, uh, just so yeah, much. It would be incredible. Then we get to see Dorne as a, as, a, as, a, as a <laughs> land of many kings. And, yeah. It all, yeah, and then you get to see her battles with the Stormlands and the Reach. That would be sexy. It's just, yeah, it's just, that's definitely my just ultimate pick. I want it so badly. It's my dream. But uh, other than that, it'd be cool to see the Valyrian Empire at its height. Um, That'd be awesome. The, the wars with the, the 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 collapse of Sarnor would be really cool. Oh, seeing yeah. all the the, the awesome. wars there. Yeah, any really far back ancient times, it'd be cool to see. Just before the doom would be pretty cool. The different uh, Bloodstone emperors. Uh, oh, way back. I'd really yeah. like, yeah, really way back. I'd like to see Jainara uh, Belarius. She's a Valyrian that traveled to Sothorios and you know disappeared. Yeah, uh, kind yeah, of cool yeah, to yeah. Be very uh, that would be thriller. wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there's a lot of great choices. Essentially, uh, I'm definitely thinking more of ancient things, but there's tons of more recent things that I'd also if get, yeah. If you want to get a little more, you know, dial it down a little bit and stick it down to what more popular events, I'd love to see the Blackfire Billions. Yeah. I mean, that would be great. That'd be wonderful. The Conquest, Aegon's yeah. Conquest, would be sweet. Conquest of Dorne would be pretty neat. Too. Yeah, the, the Young Dragon. That'd be a fantastic campaign. You'd get all these yeah. great figures on both sides. You get Aemon the Dragon Knight. You get Daron the Young Dragon. You get all these mm -hmm. great Kingsguard. You get you get to yeah. see both. You get to see these Targaryen Valyrian steel blades in action. Mm. You get to see. You probably get to see a Sword of the Morning in that from that era if there was mm -hmm. one. Lots of potential there. Yeah. yeah, we could we could talk about this question forever. So one thing I've always <laughs> wanted to see—it's not like a historical thing—but George talked about like different ideas he had for other spin-off novels set, and he talked about he was more joking when he said it. He talked about doing one about Aegon the Fourth, Aegon the Unworthy. But then in that same discussion, he said that, uh, and I don't think he was entirely joking about this. Um, 
He said he'd want to write a murder mystery, like a noir story set in Bravos, mm. which I just thought that'd be really good. It turns out the murderer big... would be a faceless man. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not even a big fan of that category, but I love Bravos. Yeah. And... I would read that. Yeah. yeah. It's not my favorite type of story either, but I would read the hell out of it. Yeah. So um, I guess that was longer than I kind of had hoped it would be. Possibly but... our longest answer. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> okay. Let's move on. Uh, some people we haven't gotten questions from... Uh... Here's one from Milenko Spasik. Do you think that Martin might have a finished shorter version of all books in case of his death? I'm sure he wouldn't like to leave his greatest books unfinished. We most certainly wouldn't want that to happen. No, I don't think he does. I think he clearly has notes. He's he is pretty much flat out said if he dies before the book he's done, we're screwed. Yeah. He's yeah. directly said that. And of course the publishers will absolutely find someone else to finish it. There's way too much yeah. money in it. Yeah. And who knows whether how that would Paris go. would let them have his notes or how his will to deal with it. We don't yeah. know, but I don't think he has any shorter versions planned. I think he has some basic notes, but I think a lot of it's in his head. Yeah. I don't think he even would leave a lot of notes for someone to work off of, even if they gave it to them. Yeah, so I think honestly that we're just uh, yeah. <laughs> we're SOL. <laughs> yeah, whatever happens happens there. We can't. We we just have to hope for the best. Yeah. I don't really like yeah. thinking about that too yeah, much, to yeah. be honest. <laughs> but, uh, trying to find another one. We use a lot of people. Let's see. Uh... So many good questions. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Here's a decent one from a name that always makes me laugh because I think it's sexual. Is from Minge Forever. <laughs> I don't think it is, but it sounds like it to me. Maybe it is. Anyways, it's let's talk. Let's talk. Alice Carstark. Is she getting her castle back? Will her marriage be happy? How will the Northerners deal with the Thens? I do think her marriage will be happy, at least, you know, within themselves. It's possible that he would be killed or she would be killed or something. Or that he's just a bad husband. But he seems uh, He to... seems like he's... I don't think that's the case. I think yeah. that I, he seems... He's already doing more than most Westerosi husbands by just being, you know, And she's caring. a respectable woman. She yeah. is tough. She is not... She did not give up. She fought back against this attempt to usurp her throne. I do think she'll get her castle. Yeah, I think he's the kind of woman that a, that a, that a, even a, you know, wildling chieftain can respect. Yeah. So I think that... I think he'll take pride in the fact that his 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 wife is brave uh, and noble-born and all know, this. And I don't know how the Northerners will deal with the Thens in general. I think that a lot of them will, if they are exposed to Sigourn, I think they'll like him. I think he's got Alice vouching for him. He's clearly yeah. making an effort to be civilized. But for the Thens in general and the Wildlings in general, I don't know about that, but individuals, I think some individuals will distinguish themselves. It's a really unique situation. I mean, they, they're it's, it's a... a all these different cultural elements coming together. You've got Alice Karstark from the north. You've got a Fen from the, the Valley of the Fens, yeah, way north of really. the wall. Yeah. And you got a Melisandre overseeing the ceremony. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's all, it's kind of neat. I like that. It's yeah. a really interesting coming together of different things yeah, that, that I, don't normally fit together. Excited to see more of them, definitely in particular. Uh, all right. Let's see. I'm just going to take a scroll down. Here's a simple, easy one uh, from GB Jom. Anyways, uh, side question to my earlier one. GBT Jom. Oh, uh, does <laughs> Shireen Baratheon have black hair? She should, if the theory of Baratheons with black hair holds up, like Gendry or Edric Storm, uh, Mia Stone, etc., etc. She does have. Black yeah, hair. she has black hair. It's a really <clears throat> terrible mistake. Like 
by the show. It's one that actually really bothers me way more than it maybe should, but it drives me crazy. It's a really silly misdetail that they don't. There's not much excuse for them. Like they could have still cast Carrie Ingram, dye her hair, put a wig on her, like yep. half the other it's women. Not that in the hard. Show. They had a wig on Bran and Cersei and Daenerys. <laughs> it's not like wigs aren't being used all over the place in the show. Yeah. That definitely <laughs> drives me a little crazy. Yeah, it's just uh, just, just really so. bad. That was just a really silly <sighs> misdetail by the show. But yeah, Shireen yeah. in the books, her hair is black. She's got grayscale <laughs> and she's disfigured yeah. and but her hair's black yeah okay here's another quick responses uh from darren tucker do you think sean will get a morale boost from not having to leave the room during book spoiler sections of the show review well he, he will still have he's to. still gonna have to because he oh. is reading the books and there's yeah. still too many things that yeah. Yeah, there's still know. tons of like in the book reviews we're going to talk about how they relate to the books and there yeah he, he still will have to he's still trucking along on a clash of kings it does change the game Definitely yeah. does change his perception of things and changes how yeah. he's going to view the material, but I still he's still going to have to yeah. be spoiler conscious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He needs to hurry it up. His beard will have to stay protected. <laughs> Here's just one comment from your big fan, Corey Borrow, who says, nice haircut. Oh, please. thank you very much. Nice haircut. Oh, but also I have a nice shirt. Check it out. Look at that. Yeah. Galactic, Galactic Empire. Empire. Iron Maiden Star Wars crossover. Mm -hmm. The Yes. Ooh. Yeah. Makes, my, oh, makes my breaths look nice. Okay. Um, yeah, it was... <laughs> Very nice shirt. Uh, we're both Star wars out today in full hype still. That's right. Um, another quick comment. Did you know that you can write Barristan Selmy on a calculator? I didn't know. I'll have to try it out on one of my many calculators. <laughs> uh, I will. All right. Uh, any more comments? Uh, let's just move forward. Uh, we kind of touched on this one. What moment are you most eager for Bran? To see through the Werewood Network. We talked about that. I just wanted to click answer. Um, yeah. That's from Michael Bullock. Um, thanks for the question. Uh, I think I'm most excited to see him see the uh, the answers of yeah. some of the questions about how the Werewood thing works. <laughs> you know, how, what the deal is there. I'm almost, it's, it's almost less that what he can see and, and how yeah. the whole thing works that I'm more interested in. Yeah. Although, whatever George gives us there, I'll, I'm going to. Gobble up, <laughs> gobble up and reread a million times. Okay, here's another good one from Cash Craig. Says, we're supposed to see more of Willis and Garland Tywell as well as Highgarden. Will one of them be a POV? I don't think so. We're not going to get any more POVs. I don't know who's going to go see them. We could see them as potentially an epilogue or prologue, although there's yeah. a lot, not a lot of room for that necessarily, given what we already I don't know. I what would be significant happening there that would relate to other things as the epilogues and prologues relate to events and books yeah i think we're gonna i think whatever happens between high garden and old town and the, yeah. the ironborn is going to be all sam we're gonna yeah. see all that through sam's point of view yeah i'd agree with that i think that's yeah good good thought um all right all right um it's possible an ironborn would invading would be invading there i get aaron i don't think it's very likely but i guess it's technically also possible that it's aaron i don't I, the i really aren't very many other choices yeah uh Let's see. Here's one from Jeff. Could you rank the sample chapters from your most favorite to least favorite? We're not going to go all into it as we get like that, but we can Maybe say we can pick our, our top twos. Yeah. Like I can say my favorite is Ariane too, because um, it has a really cool scene of Elias Sand inside, um, like a, uh, one of the children of the forest weirwood caves with like these blind fish, milky white fish, and it's just really well written. And I like Dornish stuff. I like it more than Ariane one. 
It's a tough call. I like, of course, it's it's always hard to pick a favorite chapter, but I think that I agree. That one is definitely in my top two or three. We also had particular with, fun because we transcribed it. Yeah, that's right. So we have it's a little closer to our hearts. Also had particular fun with Theon one, even though that's one of the oldest sample chapters that's been out. It just tells oh, us so much, and Stannis yeah. is being such a badass in it, and it gives it gives us a lot of a lot to build on. We were able to create a lot of podcasting off of that chapter yeah. and uh i think the battle of the upcoming battle of fire chapters are interesting but they all just they're all sort of together yeah they're all, sort of together i think and it's more and it's more of building the anticipation than than giving us answers uh, the exception to that is the victorian chapter which is a little oh, more yeah. interesting in terms of getting into the dragon horn and all that mm-hmm. and i'm really curious about how that's all going to play yeah. out and especially with makoro and the dusky woman and all that other stuff I'd say I like uh, Mercy a lot. It's really well written. Certainly. Um, maybe my second favorite. I guess I'd say my least favorite is maybe that Tyrion chapter. The Tyrion sample. It was just not a whole lot happened in it. And it, to expand on what we'd already gotten from Barristan and all that. Yeah. Um, and Ariane 1, which again, just not a lot happened. When I'm comparing it to Ariane 2, it just has to be lower. I'd probably agree with that. Uh, so yeah, I guess that's just about all of them. Uh, let's move on. Uh, question from Darren Tucker. You're on who, fire, Darren Tucker. Who is the harpy? Did the show spoil that it is not his dar? Say, I do, we do not think that it spoiled that it is not his dar because the harpy plot is just way too complex for the show to ever depict and they didn't introduce the characters that it could have been, so I, I don't think that it, it spoiled it. I don't um, think it spoiled that for us. It may Other people could, could, could make the argument it spoiled it for them, and I, I wouldn't disagree with them. But I don't think it spoiled it for them. I do not think the Harpy is a single person. I do yeah. not think there is one Harpy. I think Hisdar may have been involved. I don't think... The, the show kind of makes it seem like he wasn't involved at all, but again, mm-hmm. I completely yeah. agree with Shea's point that they had to change that plot yeah. and made it way less complicated... So we, it doesn't necessarily resemble what the book plot's going to look yeah. like. I, that said, I was really surprised when his daughter was just stabbed in that scene. I was like, whoa, that was one of the biggest surprises of that scene for me. Yeah, so I was like, surprising. wow. Uh, so, but it wasn't because I thought he was the harpy. It was because before he was stabbed, they kind of made it look like he was because he went off screen and was like, I have to yeah, make sure everything's yeah. you know, going, right, going right. Whoa. And with the locusts and him encouraging Danny to eat the locusts, I mean... See, encouraging yeah. her to meet, eat the locust doesn't mean she, he's the harpy or part of the harpy plot. He may just want her dead because that makes he makes him king by himself. <laughs> that doesn't have to be part of. He doesn't have to be part of this other, you know, insurgency. Although it's a reasonable conclusion to to consider. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on. Back to back, Darren Tucker questions. This is the highest rated question right now. Fifteen the highest of those. Yeah, it says, "Do you think Martin will be able to get?" everything he intends to into the winds into the winds of winter he didn't get everything he wanted into the feast dance books plus he has roughly 200 pages from a dance with dragons that will be added to the winds of winter well, no i don't think he will i think this speaks directly to the other question about whether there'll be an eighth book or not and, and yeah. since we were kind of yes on that i yeah. think that is a yes i think this definitely it just keeps growing on him the story is bigger than he every time he thinks he knows how big <laughs> the story is going to be it's bigger his wife Back in the day, when he thought it would be six books, she said seven, and she was right. Now, maybe if you would ask her today, she might say eight. I don't know, but yeah, I, I, it just keeps growing, which to us is awesome. We don't mind to keep growing. Uh, the plot, it, the plot keeps expanding. That's fine with me. I don't mind. You know, the plot, I don't. I didn't reread the book 
20 times to read to, to be excited about the plot again i know yeah. it was going to happen <laughs> you know you don't reread something because the it's going to be new the second time well it kind of is but it's not not the main plot lines you just you catch new details you find new yeah. things out you make new interpretations that's the fun of this story the yeah. surprises are, are great but that's not why i read them all right here's a question that we've already answered um so i'm just going to answer it so it's out of the mess of questions it's from real peterman what are your predictions about cerberus's arc in the winds of winter a lot of folks think he will either die at the end of the battle of fire or will betray danny when she unleashes her dragons on astapor or old blandis plus how fast do you think news about the well that got cut off i'm sorry i don't know what the rest of your question is um, well yeah we do think that he's on the chopping block the battle of fire maybe anyway yeah I, I do think the news that he's on the chopping block yeah. a bit I, I think he's you know he's a duplicate pov where there's a lot of other povs some you know, Tyrion and danny and mm -hmm. other people maybe potentially could take but, over a lot of the things that he's seeing but we also think it's possible he is one of the betrayals it's yeah the betrayal for love we've entertained uh, yeah I, I don't see how a shardang could still be alive but i also don't understand why barris was thinking about her so much mm -hmm. And if he she somehow appears and is on Fagon's side, that would be a reasonable betrayal for love, you know. And he and he wouldn't even necessarily be super dishonorable in doing it because if he believes that that's really Rhaegar's son, then Ray, then that is the true heir, yeah. not Daenerys. And he, you yeah. know, he's that's the fact. That's the that's how the succession works. Mm -hmm. So you know, it might seem kind of dirty for him to leave Danny, but it wouldn't necessarily be dishonorable to to serve. The, the what would be in his mind the true heir it's tough yeah. uh, Barrison one way or another I think it results in Barrison's death whether he betrays her first or not here's a question from Aiden Bennett what do you think is most likely to happen on Skagos oh yeah okay well the cynical view is that Davos doesn't make it out of there alive because it's so nasty. The oh. less, the uncynical view is that the the Skag the Skags love Rickon because of what a wild child, badass direwolf having Stark he is, and that they've they've you know they like him a lot. And Davos comes along to say, "Hey, I want to take him and make him you know rally the North around him." And the, the Skags be like, "We're coming with you. This this is our kid. We like him." That's that's what I prefer to see happen, yeah. <laughs> and I hope we see. I think we'll we'll get a little more clarity on the unicorn thing, which is probably they're not really unicorns; they're just large one-horned goats. I don't know if you can call that a unicorn. It's a single-horned quadruped that you can ride. <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, here's a good question from Ninja Saws. Will the Iron Throne be melted down, perhaps by Danny with Dragonfire, to make new blades to fight the others? I ha I do I am fond of the idea that they'll repurpose the Iron Throne. I, I feel like it should be so useful to them. I don't know that they need that metal. I don't know if there's a source of metal that they really need. I don't think that blades yeah, it's are not, a it's not, Yeah, it's not a really particularly Valyrian steel blades. You're right. I definitely... They're just regular swords, yeah. Just yeah. regular. Why would they really be Valyrian? I don't think, I don't think there's yeah, a shortage right. of weapons. In, definitely, uh, you're right. But, I just want to see the Iron Throne be... But if it's just... I could, but, I, yeah. Be, I, I, I'm only uh, suggesting that they won't make new blades out of it. Actually destroying it? I could definitely see that happening. I could see the Iron Throne being destroyed. I could see it being shattered. I could see it being, you know, melted... Some sort of ice magic to sh would be how it was shattered, <laughs> but yeah, I can see that happening. I just I I don't know about the repurposing of it, but mm -hmm. I definitely think the throne itself getting destroyed would be a really symbolic moment, and, and and it could result in the end game being that Westeros isn't united at the end, something like that. Pretty cool. Um, should we take oh, oh which, which question? This one. 
Okay. Uh, some new thoughts on that one. Jojen Pace, true or false, from Cash Craig. Okay, so Jojen Pace, true or false. I used to be very against the idea. I'm, I'm coming around to it a bit. Uh, I still am. So I'm kind of 50-50 on it these days. I, one thing that made me a bigger fan of the possibility was that they don't necessarily have to... I don't like the idea of them murdering Jojen. You know, and just putting him in the, the soup. But if he kind of dies on his own and then they repurpose his body, like recycle him that way, <laughs> that's still kind of gross, but it's not, you know, evil. <laughs> and vile, you know, But we've seen the children of the forest magic. This nature magic is very, you know, death is yeah. not a big deal. You're all, it's, you're all part of the continuum. They don't take death to be as serious a thing. They don't see it as this big violation uh, so, yeah, I, you know, I, that's what, kind of why I've come around on it a bit. Mm-hmm. And I could see it being possible. And we see that kind of thing where you, you consume someone else's power and make it a part of you. And if they're trying to, you know, enhance his powers and awaken them, you know, consuming the flesh of someone who also has green seer power, I could see that working. I don't necessarily want it to, but what I want doesn't matter. <laughs> George isn't exactly listening to me. So, yeah, I've come around on it a bit. This is something I've had a conversation with Jeff Hartline about. And, uh, yeah, I I, I used to be 90% no, 10% yes. Now I'm about (laughs) 50-50. All right. uh, Let's move on. Let's do one more question, then we'll go over to the ones that weren't on the Q&A for a few minutes. Okay, let's get Jim's there. Jim's right here. Cool. Uh, from Jim McGeehan of Wars and Politics of Ice and Fire. How do you think the military situation will develop in the southwest of Westeros with regards to Euron Greyjoy, Baylor Brightsmile, and Garland Tyrell? Okay, there's a lot of meat in this question, a lot of things to talk about. Now, first of all, we have to, we can't assume that Euron is actually there. Is Euron directing things there, or is he following Victorian? I used to also be against that idea that he's following Victorian. I didn't think it made a lot of sense. But there's one simple thing that made me change my mind, is that Euron's endgame is the dragons. His endgame is Westeros. He wants what he wants. He doesn't care about the Reach nearly as much. That's what he wants. Is he really going to leave the most important part of his plan up to a brother he knows is going to betray him? I don't think so. I really don't think so. Is he really going to let leave it to Victarion to bring him back the dragons and Daenerys? (laughs) That part is like, okay, no, that doesn't really work, does it? It would explain why so many of Victorian ships disappeared on the way there. It would explain a lot of things. He doesn't really need to be there to direct this attack against the uh, against the against the Reach, and it also has another purpose, which is to having all this action, having all these attacking the ship, attacking shipping, and being having all this pirate activity happen there means the Red Wine Fleet has to come around and go all the way back to the other side of Westeros to deal with the Ironborn, which leaves King's Landing undefended, which is where Euron wants to be. Euron, of course, is a bold guy. His plans aren't going to be... He's not going to work some long campaign to kind of gradually take things. He's got to go for the throat. He's a he's a bold stroke kind of guy, and I think that the, these, all these plans, the way it's working out, makes too much sense. Uh, so... Yeah, so I do think that the that's what the, that's a big part of the military situation that will develop. I think the fact that the Red Wine fleet is going to be drawn away from King's Landing in order to deal with the Ironborn, that's huge in and of itself. It also potentially impacts what's happening with the Golden Company because they still have ships trying to come over. They have some ships like like we've talked about earlier, their elephants haven't all arrived. And it could also impact Danny's Landing. If if that could be an accidental side effect if if the Iron if the fleet is drawn off 
to goes back to the west coast and then danny comes over and then her ships have a straight liner so that impacted potentially huge in ways that euron never would have thought to plan for but ultimately i so i ultimately i think the attack on the reach one way or the other is kind of a distraction although a lot of the ironborn are, are, are really into it because that's what they wanted remember that when when he brought up the idea of going after the dragons Roger Carlaw challenged him on this thought, and they were all yeah, They were more interested in attacking the, the arbor and, and looting it for wine and money. And so Euron's like, all right, I'm going to capitalize on this. I'm going to let unleash them. They're going to be this huge distraction. And meanwhile, I'm going to go ahead with my important bigger plan that I've stated aloud several times, which is to take the dragons. All right. Uh... Let's see, we're going to answer one more question from the Q&A, then we're going to switch to the non, um, and we'll come back to the Q&A. So now is your chance. If there's any questions you want to see answered, upvote them now so they get, you know, up there. We'll yeah, we're down to our we'll... last about 20 minutes ish. Yeah, a little so less here, than for, let's say this, well, let's do this one first. Um, from Ooh, Dylan James, question. it's got our most upvotes at like 19 right now. How do you think the Brienne-Jamie-Stoneheart storyline is going to play out? I'll say that's one of the ones that I think could go a number of ways, and I... I I think they're all just as likely, really, for me. Personally, I think that uh, there's going to be a battle. They're going to have to fight. I think that there's going to be some sort of maybe a duel that Jamie is going to say, look, all these things you're laying against me, I have changed. I will. I demand trial like combat. And I think Cersei will give... I'm Cersei. <laughs> I, think, I think Stoneheart will give that to him. Because, hey, look at him. He's got one hand. What's, you know, what has he got to lose? That, that seems, doesn't seem like a big risk. And I think it's even possible that Brienne will be stand in as his champion because she will believe Jamie. She knows the truth. She knows that he has changed. She knows that he's a different guy. She knows that he's a more honorable person, that he's trying to make a positive name for himself, that he's into justice nowadays, that he's really, he has turned. He's see, she's seeing what we readers have been seeing for several books because we get to see inside his head so we know it's genuine. But Brian's one of the only people that actually knows this besides us readers. And I think that's a huge part of it. So that's one of the reasons why I think Brienne might die. Because he may... If she gets involved in this duel... Uh, well, of course, if she gets involved in a duel for Jamie's life and dies, then Jamie also would die. So yeah. I think she kind of has to win. Maybe she has to fight Lem or something like that. And, uh, well, sorry, Lem. You're not going to beat Brienne, I don't think. Especially if she gets to wield Oathkeeper. <laughs> 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 so I, I, as far as going beyond that, see, I think Jamie has more to do. I don't think he yeah. got his hand cut off. To become a good guy to die before he gets to do good deeds yeah. most of more. I think he has more to do, I, and I think if he's the Valonqar, which yeah. is you know possible, then he can't die this soon. Mm -mm. So I, I think there's more for him to do. Brienne, I, I don't know the end for Brienne. I don't know what else there is for her to do. Yeah. That's what I mean is that I think it's equally possible. I think it's possible. I think it's most likely that Jamie survives. I don't think he's gonna die. I, it's, I do think it is technically possible, but I don't think he is. Brienne. I think you go either way, just as likely that she manages to survive and that she's killed right there. Yeah. I really cannot say what I think is more likely. Brienne's arc is up there with Arya's and the fact that it's really hard yeah. to predict. Because you don't even, she doesn't really have like an alliance. She's not really attached yeah. to any particular yeah. party right now. She's not like, she's not really with the Lannisters. She's not really with the Starks because mm -hmm. there aren't really Starks <laughs> doing anything. She's certainly not with Stannis. <laughs> and Fagon is, she may not have even heard of him. She yeah. could maybe link up with Danny later. That'd be kind of cool to have uh, to have a you know, female champion there. And yeah. That would be a good King's Guard. Yeah. Who King's wouldn't guard. want Who wouldn't want Brienne in their Queen's Guard? I mean, yeah. or King's Guard. She, <laughs> you can't get much more loyal and devoted than that. Yeah. All right, let's move on. We're gonna go over here uh, to these questions. Um, 
from Joseph Biscotto um, at ASOIFK on Twitter. How will the Battle of Ice and its aftermath play out? Will the Great John be freed, allowing Horsebane Umber to betray Roos? The Brotherhood Without Banners role in the Battle of Ice and the Great Northern Conspiracy in general. How exactly will your Edward be freed? This is a lot of questions. Okay, let's start. Let's stop there. Yeah. So, how the Battle of Ice and its aftermath? Well, I won't answer directly how the Battle of Ice will play out. I think we we covered that pretty thoroughly in our Battle of Ice episodes. The aftermath is a bit different. That's a bit greater of a question, although we did cover that as well in that series. I I think that Stannis will win, and it will put the Boltons on the defensive, although they will still be very powerful because he only sent half his, he's only sending half of his army, and it, and it will be the phrase that he loses and his less important allies. He'll still have the core of his strength, his most loyal men, the soldiers that he took south that came back with him. These guys are battle-tested and loyal. And so it won't, Bolton won't be done by any means by losing the Battle of Ice. If Stannis loses, he is kind of, he probably is kind of done. But I do predict that Stannis will win. Now, as far as the Great John, well, the Great John's already kind of been freed. He hasn't been freed, so to speak, but Jamie informed the phrase that they had to give the Great John and all their other prisoners up to the crown. They couldn't keep them. So Great John being in a different captivity situation really impacts things now imagine this imagine Fagon takes the capital and now the great now the great john is a prisoner of this new regime and that necessarily doesn't put them at risk now all of a sudden the umbers can do whatever the hell they want to bolton and Frey with no worry about Aegon executing the great john so that could really be a game changer they just have to Make, you know, the news just has to reach them when this happens. They have to find out that Great John's been moved. So we'll see. Now, Edmure being freed. I think that could happen in the prologue of T-Wow. I think we're going we're gonna to see an attack on that column, probably. We're going to see an attack on the, the troops marching from, from River Run to Casterly Rock. Jamie was paranoid about this. He originally sends 100 troops to, mm -hmm. to march with Edmure and Jane Westerly. Then, he's, then he doubles it. <laughs> then he doubles it again. So there's 400 guys. 400 guys with no armies in the field. He sends 400 soldiers to escort Edmure and Jane. That's because he's worried. And I think he's right to be worried. Um, to continue on with his questions, he also asks, Will Cersei be killed before her trial by assassination, thus leading to Franken Mountain without a purpose? No, we went over that. I don't Neither think so, of us no. think that. We both think she has a bigger role to play. Um, yeah, we think Varys wanted her back in charge so that she would ruin the Tyrell alliance. Mm -hmm. And I think she probably will do that. <laughs> Although yeah. it's going to do a lot of that work's going to happen on its own without her interfering at all. Yeah. Okay. Here's a qu uh, moving on. Um, a question from Ian Thomas Malone: Does Westeros have enough honeyed locusts to satisfy strong Velvets? Could this be a major deterrent <laughs> for Danny's invasion? As an aside, Ian Thomas Malone has the um, an interview series series where he did interviews of Ice and Fire, and he interviewed both of us separately. Um, yeah. You can look Thanks, that up. Uh, <laughs> But um, on to that, um, no, there's not enough honeyed locusts or any other kind of locusts. No amount world. of honeyed locusts would satisfy <laughs> strong bellows. His, his appetite is infinite. Uh, well, could this be a major deterrent for Danny's invasion? Absolutely. Once he finds out there's no honeyed locusts, he's going to lead a split force and they will yeah. become enemies of Danny and they will be, you know, eunuchs for honeyed locusts mm -hmm. society. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. Here's a good question from PJ Lanford. I'm curious whether you think that there may be a role for water magic in the upcoming books. Martin is sliding it in here and there. Tyrion uh, seems to be reborn from water after falling into the ruin. Followers of the Drowned God are reborn from the sea and Patch Face 2, it seems. The Roinar wizards call up walls of water and uh, water spouts to defend their cities. And all Arya imagines all of King's Landing being washed away in a flood. All this suggests to me that something watery this way comes. That's a good. It's a good point. Water and ice, of course, are obviously very strongly related. Yeah. And you know, like if the others can use ice magic, there could be some water involved. Mm -hmm. On the other side of that, you mentioned the Roinar and how yeah. that was mentioned a bit in the world of ice and fire, and that certainly gives us some, you know, inkling of potentially that being mm -hmm. out there somehow. I'm not really sure who could wield that kind of magic yeah. besides the children, or the Green Seers. Yeah. Maybe the Green Men have that kind of potential. I'm not really sure, but yes, I do. I want to say yes, but I don't want to be specific as to how. <laughs> and I do think I think the patch face example is pretty cool. I think that might be a little Ironbornish, drowned gaudy kind of thing. It might relate to the old ones. The, the the potential race of the Ironborn is related to the great you know that Lovecraft. That's a whole other topic, really. <laughs> But, yeah, so I think that there's some potential there. But I think George will, George will kind of keep it on the subtle side, I think. Mm -hmm. It'll be on the down low. Yeah, I don't think we'll be seeing walls of water and water spouts exactly. I don't think we'll be seeing that Yeah, I don't, think magic, we'll be, I don't think we'll see that. I may have a flood or something is possible, maybe. Yeah, and I like the King's Landing being washed away is another good example of what we talked about earlier about how King's Landing is potentially in peril and, and how the, the, even the show might have gotten that right. Mm -hmm. about the, what potential is going there. I'm not really sure how it can be washed away. Like, where is that? where's this large wall of water going to come from? But hey, we're talking magic here. Anything can happen. <laughs> All right, uh, last few questions running out, running uh, towards yeah, the end here. Nine minutes. Uh, Apologize to anyone whose questions we didn't get to answer. We got a really, really strong response for the number of questions. Some of these questions, hopefully, if we didn't answer your question, hopefully we answered a similar one. Uh, here's a good one from uh, Matt, either Reese or Rise or Reese, or I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, Matt, the first time that the Winds of Winter is at the Wall, who is in charge? A. Bowen Marsh or Confederate. B. One of the Queen's Men. C. Tormund Giantsbane. Or D. Complete Chaos. I think the first time that he was at the Wall, I think it yeah, would be Complete Chaos. Yeah, the first time. I think Chaos still. Like chaos. I think so too. Yeah, I think. That's an easy question. <laughs> and I think the Wildlings. Their wildlings deal was with John. It wasn't with yeah. you know. It was kind of with the watch, but they didn't. They weren't super happy with it. With with John out of the way, I don't know that the wildlings will play nice anymore. And they are the eight hundred pound gorilla at, at the moment. They are the ones that are mm -hmm. all over the place at the wall. If they if they made a concerted effort to attack the brothers and the queen's men that were there, they'd win. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Um. Sorry, I'm trying to move at a. Quick pace, sorry if I rush through any questions, but from Mary Harrison, um, we touched on this once, we won't go too into it, she just asks, um, do we think Sansa might be kidnapped from the Vale, and could it be done in a way that parallels Lyanna's kidnapping from the Turning of Harrenhal? That's an, that part we hadn't considered, no. d d doing it in a way that parallels Lyanna's kidnapping yeah. from the Turning of That's a really cool idea. Yeah. Uh, it would be, obviously the circumstances would be a little different, because I don't imagine her running off with somebody that she's <laughs> in love with, which is what I really think happened <laughs> in Harrenhal. <laughs> but it could be done in a way that seems similar on the surface and that's kind of interesting yeah i could see you know like someone naming her the queen of love and beauty something like that kind of outs her maybe as who she really is that yeah there's some potential there very strong potential there and i gotta admit i hadn't considered the heron hall attorney angle and liana as a potential parallel so good question good question all right Aziz, you want to pick any of the questions out of here we only can do a couple more 
Um, okay, that one from Marceline there. All right, from Marceline Robert. One, do you think that if and when Jon Snow is resurrected, it will be as a result of the White Walkers taking down the wall or to handle the upcoming Night's Watch wildling clash that will most likely happen as a result of his murder? Well, well I think the most likely vehicle for his resurrection is Melisandre, so I think it will happen fairly soon. Mm -hmm. I don't know that the White Walkers are imminently arriving at the wall, uh, although they, they're going to arrive at some point. I mean, imminent, like, right after John is is death or is death is killed <laughs> is stabbed yeah. so eh i think that it will be melisandre and but i do think that the invasion when the white walkers come it will change the picture of everything it will at least stop some of the infighting from happening but what, it may be too late they may be the damage may be done and the unity that is needed may be too far in the past all right uh do that captain darton yeah um, from Captain Darton of the Mother's Men, <laughs> is Jon Snow guilty of violating guest rights when he sent Mance on a mission to steal the fake Arya from Winterfell? Mance and his women murdered several of Roose Bolton's people. No, I don't think he is guilty of violating guest right. I think Mance would be guilty of it. I don't think you can be guilty of guest right by proxy. John was not given bread and salt. It's a very, it's a very mystical, technical thing. You, <laughs> If you are not the one who receives, once you eat the bread and salt, you're supposed to have that safety and you're supposed to be part of, under guest right. John, from a distance, I don't think that can apply to him. And also, he didn't intend for Mance to kill anyone. I mean, maybe he could probably, I'm sure he could, saw that as a possibility. But he didn't send Mance there to go murder people. He sent Mance there to go rescue who we thought was Arya. That's a whole different game. So I don't think he's technically guilty of guest right, but I suppose that's up to the old gods to decide <laughs> for sure. <laughs> the old gods. Maester Shane there. Okay, from Maester Shane of the Sculpted Word, I wonder if the bittersweet ending George plans could reflect a Darth Vader prophecy resolution, a faithful decision to join with the walkers to ultimately destroy them, Benjen facilitating this, and a reign of the Dornish being an unending summer in Westeros. That's a very interesting co concept, I, and I think it's a good one to end with because you know we've got our Star Wars stuff on, so we may uh -huh. as well finish with a vaguely related Star Wars question. Oh, I, we can do that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we said we would. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I wonder... So I do think that there could be something along those lines. It could be a bittersweet ending with somebody having to look like a bad guy. Maybe not join the others, literally, but to look like he has. And that could be John again, because of who his new state, his new supernatural state may allow for that kind of thing. And it may be one of those things, like I said, I think he's going to be perceived as a bad guy. Kind of like how the Night's King is perceived as a bad guy now, which he may have been. But he may have been... A good guy that looked like a bad guy based on the, the doing the necessary evil to make good prevail. Sometimes you got to break a few eggs to make a cake, that kind of thing. And I think that could apply to John. John's the strongest parallel for Night's King in my mind. Benjen, I don't know how he could infiltrate the White Walkers being such an obvious enemy of them. But hey, you know, maybe it's they try to convert him when he still has his... You know, his inner loyalties prevail somehow, mm. or his starkness, you know, the mystical stark element that may may or may not be in their bloodline helps him get out of there. I don't know. That's a really tough question, but I like thinking about it. All right. Uh, here's our last and final question. It is the top voted question we received from Karen Chavez. Sansa still doesn't know about Littlefinger's involvement in her father's death. Who will tell her, and what will be her reaction? I don't know that anyone will ever tell her, but she might find out. She may figure it out. The, because what I think what happened was that it was Littlefinger encouraged Joffrey to do it. 
well, Joffrey's not going to be able to spill the beans now, even if he ever would. And the only person, so I think maybe the only person who could possibly let Sansa know is Littlefinger himself, or maybe Varys. I don't know if she would believe Varys. She might if she's found other reasons to mistrust Littlefinger. I mean, it's not hard to imagine that happening. But that's still it's still a stretch to start to believe Varys. I don't know yeah. that she... I don't, I don't know that she needs to know what he did to her father to have a rift with him. Yeah. And I do yeah. think that will happen. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. There, there's plenty of other things that could go wrong between Littlefinger and Sansa to drive them a wedge between them. Uh, it doesn't have to... Oh, that would certainly do it. But that, this one's a little <laughs> yeah. harder to figure out how... It could be. It could happen that she would get that information and believe it. All, all right. right, then we'll wrap it up. Thanks for all of your <clears throat> questions. Oh, yeah. credits. Yes. Thanks to everybody for your questions. Indeed, we really appreciate everybody who joined in today with us. We had a nice turnout for the live viewership, and some of you who are watching this as a recorded episode later, look out for the next episode. You'll hopefully you, uh, we explained clearly enough how this all works and how to get your questions answered. So again, we apologize to people whose questions were not answered. Please save them for next time. If your question was highly upvoted, you'll know you can pretty much guess that it'll be highly upvoted again. People yeah. will still want to know the answer to that question. If Our you next... submit it early on when we announce it, you have a much better chance of it being answered because it'll be more upvoted and we'll see it early on. We will either do one or two more Q&As before the TV season, one of which will probably be more focused on TV topics and the other will certainly be on A Song of Ice and Fire, if not both of them. One of them might be mixed, we'll see. We'll, 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 we'll mm -hmm. announce that as it goes. So once again, thank you for the questions. Thank you for the support. Thank you for the upvotes and the likes and subscriptions and everything you all do to make History of Westeros what it is. Mm -hmm. We really appreciate how far we've gotten. We've been doing this for years now and it just keeps getting better and more fun. And that's awesome. So thanks to First Lord Cash Craig, the Black Pupil and Hand of the King, Jim, Lord Jim the Fortuitous of Wars and Politics of Ice and Fire blog and Warden of the West, Lord George, ah, Lord, Lord George Stormsville the Cunning, Lord of the Chiliad and Warden of the East, Lord John Reed of Castle Woodbridge, the Lord Borealis and Light of the North and Warden of the North, Frontier Lord James Knox of the Poker Fort, Hammer of the Dornis Session and Warden of the South. Our small council, Lord James Inkblade, the Scholar Knight, Master of Whispers. Grand Maester Itai wears the jeweled collar of many medals. Lord Robert Jacobs is our Master of Coin. Rosie the Clever, our Master of Laws. And Lord James Tuttle is our Master of Ships. Lady Dyerliz of Castle Naki is our Alpha Patron. Lord Dan of the Red Mountains and Castle of Great Bell is Breaker of the Second Stone. Lord Skip of the Velt, Lord of Castle Ganges. Cabeth the Unfrozen, Lord of the Bricks and Castle of Crimson Light. Lord Damien Sand, the Resilient, Wielder of the Valyrian Steel, Spears, Swan Song. Mary Meg, Lady of the Bloody Stepstones. Gregor the Toasty, Lord of the Breadfort. Alicia Everlasting of the Green Blood, Lady of Desert Rose. Geoffrey the Unflinching, Lord of Sand Lake. Lord Greybay of the Queen City. Lord Ryan of Castle Stonegate, Guardian of the Rocky Mountain Pass. And Lord William White. Thanks to the Lordly Lords for their support. Also thanks to Lord Commander Shepard of the History of Westeros Kingsguard. And Lord Commander George the Golden of the History of Westeros Night's Watch. And thanks last but not least to King's Justice Sir Troy the Steady, wielder of the Valyrian Steel Blade Fate. We'll be back soon with House Dane Part 2. Quick announcement on that. It's two uh, episodes now, although the, the second episode won't be part of the Dane series. Three episodes, stand yeah, it's basically three episodes now, but it, two Dane parts and then one that's kind of a standalone that will be, yeah. it'll have some Dane stuff in it. And yeah. of course, we'll be getting back to the Blackfire Rebellions as soon as possible with 